Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is another late night show, uh, Posing a Matrix. It is 11.16 p.m. on the Pacific Coast, on the left coast, and rightfully called that. And it's the 24th of June, 2020. Um, I've been a little under the weather for the last couple of weeks, and I've been a little restless, so I figured this is a good thing to do. Keep your mind busy, and uh, you keep your mind off of um, what's ailing you, so to speak. Um, a couple nights ago, I uh, produced a show just like this, and uh, we uh, looked at the uh, name values of a couple of other people. Um uh, let's start off with a little quick um, disclaimer. Um, I am not a numerologist. I do believe that numbers play an important part in scripture and in the fulfillment of prophecy. I do believe that God is a mathematical God as well as all his other attributes and that there is some merit to the number system that God works with. Uh, Three is a very important number to God. So is seven. Seven is the number of completion. Three is the number of, well, the Trinity, the Godhead, um, and several other things that um, play out in, in, in Scripture. So uh, 12 is another important number, a very important number. And um, anyway, so, you know, God is no uh, newcomer when it comes to uh, using numbers to accomplish his purposes. So, but I don't think that we should be trying to foretell the future by looking at numbers. That's, that is definitely numerology and that is uh, an occult practice. However, you can look at, I, I believe anyway, you can look at a person's name and tell what that person's character is going to be like. Um, and then I went into this the last show, you know, um, I've run into other Davids and I've noticed that a lot of us are all the same. <laughs> Um, whether that be good or bad, that's, that's in the eye of the beholder, but, um, there are just certain personalities that I, I seem to click with. And I've talked with other people too, that have confirmed this an awful lot of other people that have confirmed this, that there are some people that have names. They don't get along with them. Uh, they haven't been able to figure it out why, uh, but they don't get along with people of that name. And I'm not going to go into that because there's you may, you may have one of the names that I don't get along with, and, uh, you know, we can probably get along just fine. I mean, if you're listening to this radio show, we're like-minded all together, I mean, right off the start. And um, so we'll probably be uh, best buddies. But um, anyway, there are just some uh, personal characteristics that go along with names, and that's a kind of uncanny. And I do believe that, um, well, when Jacob was naming his uh, 12 sons, were given a prophecy over his 12 sons, actually, at the end of the book of Genesis. He uh, he said different things about his sons. And, um, oh, he talked about the tribe of Dan. Uh, gave uh, two different examples of the tribe of Dan. He uh, he talked about Judah. He, uh, uh, he held uh, Benjamin in, a, in special est- estimation. He, uh, uh, when Samuel was looking for... Um, someone to anoint to take the place of Saul. Um, he went through all the other sons before he came to David. Now, we talked the other day about, you know, was David's name beloved before, you know, uh, before he was anointed to become the, the king of Israel? 
under direct um, edict of God? Or did the name Beloved become of David because David was a man after God's own heart, which is God said about David, that he was a man after his own heart. So um, that remains to be seen. We don't know. But uh, we were talking the other day uh, online. We had our Monday night show. We brought this up a little bit. And Jim brought up that uh, the name James or Jacob means surplanter. Well, that's okay because it doesn't necessarily mean you're supplanting the things of God. You could be supplanting the evil one and putting God in his place. Okay. Um, his rightful place is ruler of your life. So um, supplanter isn't necessarily a, a bad thing. But um, there are just some people that live with their, their, their characteristics. And, and if you look at um, Gematria, um, Gematria... I, can be done in three ways. You can use that person's name and look up what the equivalent would be in Hebrew because all um, letters and all, well, all letters in, uh, except for the letter J in, in English have equivalents in Hebrew. And J's are just chained to, to Y's like um, Jeremiah wasn't uh, Jeremiah. He was Yermiyahu. And um, Isaiah was, <laughs> wasn't Isaiah. He was Yeshiyahu. Um, so there are completely different names in the Hebrew for the prophets, many of them. Um, Elijah was Eliyahu. Um, anyway, and Jerusalem isn't Jerusalem in Hebrew. It's Yerushalayim. So uh, the letter J does not uh, exist, never has in the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, but it's often uh, replaced with Y. Yared, Jared is Yared, and, and so on and so forth. So anyway, um, when you type a name into a Camatria calculator, it um, it takes the the English name and it converts the letters to Hebrew, and then it gives you the um, the result in Hebrew. Um, but the, many of the modern uh, calculators now also do English, and they do simple Camatria. You know, like um, A is one, B is two, C is three. You know, and, and some um, calculators even would put like A is 1, um, B is 6, you know, a multiple of 6 or whatever. But anyway, I focus on the Hebrew because I do think that in heaven, that's probably when we were going to be speaking. And you don't even have to take a course to speak it. You'll speak it naturally. But um, Jesus spoke in Hebrew and Aramaic. Um, in some instances, probably in Greek. But Greeks were the conquerors of uh, Israel at the time, so you know you had to kind of go along with that. Um, much much like people in Eastern Europe had to learn, like for instance, if you're Romanian, you had to learn Romanian and uh, and Russian. If you were from uh, Armenia, your your mother language was Armenian, but you learned Russian, you know. Um, and in many of the European nations, they 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 learned American or English. Uh, in order to be get to get along in the uh, the English speaking world, also many of the uh, financial things that go on in the world are in English, and um, and many other things too. So uh, anyway, uh, so you punch your name into the calculator, and then it gives you all these other names that are of equal value in Hebrew. Now it's a rare thing, but every once in a while you'll you'll get a name that have, has an equal value in um, in um, Hebrew gematria, English gematria, and simple gematria. That's that's a very odd thing, and it very rarely happens, but it does happen from time to time. And those are things to, to really sit up and take notice about. But um, 
anyway, um, you know, I could sit here all day long and do gematria about people, but I, I mainly want to see, I mainly want to see how the, uh, the people that are being used by the new world order, or you might call them the deep state or the Illuminati are being used, um, in history and in maybe, and even in prophecy. I want to see if their names mean anything else other than, or equal, I don't mean mean, but equal other things that have the same numerical value. And if you listened to the show the other night, you saw there were a lot of things for, um, my goodness, I can't even remember who we did the other night. And it looks like I'm not able to move things here, so... Um, Okay, we did uh, we did Fauci, Anthony Stephen Fauci, and um, and somebody else that I can't think of right now. But um, anyway, so that's where we're going with this. Okay, that's uh, why I'm looking these things up because if these people are meant for evil, then they should have name, numerical values of things that are evil, either evil evil words, other evil people. Um, or maybe the ultimate evil, Satan or Lucifer, or Beelzebub or whatever, you know, and more often than not, they do. Now, don't get me wrong, because sometimes if I type in a name like my name, you know, a lot of nice things come up and and and, and a couple of bad things come up, too. And I kind of look at that and I kind of got to pray about that and say, OK, what's what's going on with that, Lord? But in many cases, a lot of times that has to do with something that um, like if I were to. If I were to type in my name, this is just a what if. It doesn't never happen. But if I typed in my name and all of a sudden alien grays came up, you know, uh, well, yeah, it would come up because I'm involved in exposing who the alien grays are. Um, or, if you know, if even Satan came up, um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to expose his works and his, his dark works in his evil world, you know, uh, shed some light on the subject, so to speak. So um, anyway. Um, this, so that's what I'm trying to accomplish in all this. I'm not trying to forecast anything or say that this person's going to do this or do that because only God knows those things. And, and really, I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't want to be responsible. You know, if I were to come up with something like say for George Soros tonight and somebody took it seriously and went out and tried to kill him or something, I, I really don't want to be responsible for that. I just want to bring forth the data and let you ruminate on it. Okay. And uh, and let you see that perhaps God has a purpose in these people's lives. I, I am one of those people that believes that people are born into perdition. Some people are. Um, yes, I'm a two seed kind of person. I believe that there's a, a godly seed and that there's an evil seed. Um, I know that that doesn't fit into the theology of a lot of people out there. And some of you probably don't even believe that either. But, you know, that's one of the gray areas that we can agree to disagree on. You know, as long as we're. Um, upfront and honest and on the same page when it comes to the uh, the need for salvation, the way to salvation, um, the one who is responsible for their salvation, that being our Lord Jesus Christ or Yeshua HaMashiach, if you want to use um, the Hebrew equivalent. Um, you know, those are the main points. That's the, uh, the foundation that the faith is built on, and we have to agree on all those. Um, otherwise... Uh, <laughs> You know, otherwise we have to have a talk. But anyway, um, so I took the liberty of um, looking at George Soros. And, I'm, you know, I'm not sure, but I may have done a show on this. I know I wrote an article on it. Um, 
but I don't think that I followed through with making a show on it. So I'm going to do it tonight, and it'll it'll couple really good with the other person. Uh, so we're doing George Soros and Nancy um, Nancy Pelosi, um, whose maiden name actually is Nancy Patricia D. Alessandro. Okay. Um, and before we go into each person, I want to go into a little. Um, uh, where is it? These things, I always lose these things, you know. Um, okay, let's go here and see if they're here. Oh, this is nice. I got so many windows open, folks, that it ain't funny. So uh, let's see. We'll go here. How about? Ah, there we go. Um, and I wanted to go into, I wanted to do Nancy Pelosi first because her, her, uh, Gamatria is is on a small scale. Uh, sorry, I'm just rubbing my eyes. It's 11:30 at night, and um, I have coffee, but I ran out of cream. And drinking black coffee and me do not get along. So um, I'm kind of doing this on the QT, so to speak. So um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time going into useless information. Um, but who is Nancy Pelosi? Okay. <laughs> I don't even know if Nancy Pelosi knows who she is, but, uh, anyway, um, okay. So Nancy, uh, Patricia Pelosi is an American politician serving as speaker of the house of the United States of representatives since 2019 and previously from 2007 to 2011. She's the only woman in history to hold this position and is highly ranked is a highly they're the highest ranked woman elected official in the United States history. As the House Speaker, Pelosi is second in the presidential line of succession. <laughs> Scary. Um, immediately after the vice president. Uh, I look at those eyes and I'm like, oh, man, do we want that psychosis in presidency? Um, I'm not going to go into when she was first elected. I'm going to go down real quick and uh, talk about early life and education. Um, Pelosi was born in Baltimore to an Italian-American family. She's the only girl and the youngest of seven children of... Now, I'm Italian, and I have a hard time pronouncing these things, so... And and Nanciata uh, M, or Nancy D'Alessandro. So Nancy basically was her mother's name, but in Italian form. And uh, she her mother's maiden name was Lombardi. And she married Thomas D'Alessandro. Um, they both have Italian roots. Her mother was born in uh, Campobasso in South Italy, and her father could trace his ancestry to Genoa, Venice, and Abruzzo. Um, when Nancy was born, her father was a Democratic congressman from Maryland and became uh, mayor of Baltimore for seven years. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been to Baltimore, folks. If you've ever been to Baltimore, please forgive me, but the place is a toilet. I drove back uh, in, I drove through there with my parents or my mother, excuse me, back in the 1970s. And uh, there was nothing to rave about back then. But I understand it's only grown worse. But uh, uh, if the East Coast has a toilet, it's probably um, probably Baltimore. And if it's been run by Democrats, you know why. Um, Pelosi's uh, mother was also active in politics, organizing Democratic women and teaching her daughter the value of social networking. Um, Pelosi's brother, Thomas D'Alessandro III, also a Democrat, was mayor of Baltimore from 1967 to 71. 
Pelosi was involved with politics from an early age. She helped her father at, a camp, at his campaign events. She attended John F. Kennedy's inaugural address when he was sworn in as president of the United States uh, January 1961. In 1958, Pelosi graduated from the Institute of Notre Dame, an all-girls Catholic high school in Baltimore. In 1962, she graduated from Trinity College in Washington, D.C. with a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science. Pelosi interned for Senator Daniel Brewster, Democrat of Maryland. In the 1960s, a longtime uh, House Majority Leader, uh, Steny Hoyer. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get into much more on her. Um, it just goes into a whole bunch of where her stances are. And and if they're holy, she's against them. That's all I got to say. Um, there's much more to talk about with George Soros when it comes to this. Um, okay, personal life. Nancy Pelosi met Paul Frank Pelosi while she was attending college. They married in Baltimore at the Cathedral of Mary, our Queen, on September 7, 1963. After the couple married, they moved to New York. And then to San Francisco in 1969, where Paul Pelosi's brother, Ronald Pelosi, was a member of the city and uh, county of San Francisco's Board of Supervisors. See, they all, it's always all in a family. Um, Nancy and Paul Pelosi have five children, Nancy Corinne, Christine, Jacqueline, Paul, and Alexandra, as well as nine grandchildren. Alexandra is a journalist. She covered the Republican uh, political campaigns in 2000 and made a film about the experience of journeys with George. In 2007, Christine published a book, Campaign Boot Camp, Basic Training for Future Leaders. Um, Pelosi resides in Pacific Heights neighborhood of San Francisco. Uh, all the rich people do. Um, her 2016 financial data, uh, financial disclosure reports uh, list her among her assets, a combined home, and a vineyard in uh, St. Helena, California, two commercial buildings in San Francisco. And don't forget, commercial buildings can be skyscrapers, okay? And a townhome in Loomis, California. Um, the funny aside to this, there's a gal out there, and her name is Laura Loomer, and she's running for some kind of political uh, office down in Florida. Uh, Laura Loomer, <laughs> it was it was quite funny. Um, I, I watched the video. Uh, what she did is uh, she... She asked the question, if it's okay for people to come over the wall on the southern border, why is it not okay for people to go over the wall of rich people's houses and live in their yards? Um, and politically speaking, she was speaking to political rich people and and, and even uh, more precise uh, Democrats. Um, so what she did is um, she brought up two illegal aliens from Southern California uh, some tents and um, little tent covers, uh, chairs and stuff like that. And they actually hopped the uh, uh, the stone fence in the St. Helena, California mansion. That, and, and it's also a vineyard that uh, Nancy owns and camped out there until the police ran them off, which goes to show you that Nancy believes um, that crossing the border is okay, but for somebody to do it in her yard is not um, another do as I say and not as I do thing. Um, now she has some, some decorations, uh, uh, Knight Grand Cross, the Order of Merit, the, uh, of the Italian Republic, um, Grand Cordon of the Order of the Rising Sun, 
from Japan. Um, she was named by Barbara Walters as the most fascinating person of the year. That was in 2006. The other 13, she was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. Uh, yada, yada, yada. It goes on and on and on. Um, I won't inject too many of my thoughts into this, but uh, the woman needs to retire. Um, anyway, so let's get to her her Gamatria thing we got going here. And um, so Nancy Pelosi and Hebrew Gamatria, Nancy Patricia D'Alessandro, which is her maiden name. Um, now, the first word that came up in this, and, and it comes in a, up in a lot of the Democrats, a lot of the liberals, a lot of the um, the upstarts and the, for lack of better words, poop disturbers um, that I, I happen to research. The first thing that comes up is the proofs in Zodiacs. Okay. I kid you not. I've, I found this in a, more of them than I've not. Okay. Okay. Now I start this. I'm reading from this article I wrote about this. Okay. So please take that into account. If it sounds like I'm reading off of something, I am. Um, now, to start off, we at the Delusion Resistance do not describe the astrology in any way, shape, or form. Okay. Uh, a look at her chart, however, does uh, does show that her personality is strong. She doesn't cave to pressure, and she's determined to see things through to the end. Those are all good attributes. Okay. I have no problem with those things. Um, again, I have to say it again. We don't practice astrology. But uh, that isn't to say that Nancy Pelosi doesn't. And perhaps when she saw her astrological chart, she might have adapted herself to what she read rather than uh, the text showing her natural character. Uh, Nancy, like many Roman Catholics, holds an ecumenical worldview, meaning that she likes her religion, but respects and condones other religions, especially if she can manipulate their doctrine into her purpose. That and uh, the fact that most of Washington, D.C. does consult in horoscopes and or astrological readings, I do not find it hard to believe that Nancy Pelosi runs with the rest of the crowd. Okay, she recently has been getting uh, misquoting scripture. That's one thing she's been doing, but she's basically saying, hey, I'm a Catholic. I love everybody. Well, if that was true, then there would never have been an Inquisition um, and uh the 30 years war would have never happened and 70 million real Christians would not have been killed in Europe over the last 2000 years. Okay. And I'm not, um, please, if you're Catholic, I love you. My, my ancestries, a lot of it is Catholic. As a matter of fact, one of my ancestors on the German side, uh, won his nobility by, um, putting a lot of Christians to death, um, in Northern, uh, Germany. Um, something I'm not proud of, but just to show you that, you know, I'm not speaking from something I don't know about. And I was brought up Episcopalian, which is just a stone's throw away from Catholicism. As a matter of fact, I've been told that I can take communion at a Catholic church. It's so close. So um, anyway, I, I kind of know where I'm coming from. And I, and growing up in an Italian neighborhood, uh, being the only, as far as I know, the only Protestant Italian, aside from another uh, family, I think the Biancos, uh, were, were Protestants too. But, um, uh, you talk about, uh, profiling, you know, it's, 
right away when people hear my last name, they think I'm Italian. And I'm like, no, you, you're profiling me. Knock that off. <laughs> but um, anyway, it, and it's a common mistake, and I would probably do it too. Okay. Um, okay, so the second word that comes up is buy, as in to purchase, XRP in capital letters. Okay, so what is XRP? Well, it's a cryptic coin. Now, somebody else that we talked about the other day um, also had something. It wasn't um, XRP. It was another cryptic coin. So this is interesting. Cryptic coins are somehow associated with these people. Um, now, let's let's see what I pondered here because it's been a while since I wrote this. Now, doing a search of this cryptocurrency, the following came up in the search. And I, when they found uh, on the... Let's see, coinspice.io website. A U.S. Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, recently announced historic impeachment procedure, proceedings against President Trump. While she battles in D.C., she's going to have another fight on her own, on her own district. Cryptocurrency advocate uh, Agatha Bacalar, I think that's how you spell or pronounce it, B-A-C-E-L-A-R, is running for Pelosi's seat. Now, according to her site, Agatha Bacalar understands the importance of this breakthrough technology and that the U.S. cannot be left behind. Could this mean that Nancy Pelosi will be, will be replaced by someone that understands and knows how to use modern ways and currencies? Maybe buy XRP means to drop Pelosi and vote for the under successor. Could be, right? We don't know. Could be. But, uh, hey, I'm all for that. Dropping Pelosi is, okay, I don't want to say that, okay? We're supposed to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. So, Father, I pray right now in the name of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that you would just touch Nancy Pelosi and that that if she's redeemable, Lord, that you would redeem her. If she's not born to perdition, that you would save her and that she would come to know you as a personal relationship way before she ever leaves the confines of this earth. In Yeshua's name, amen. There. See, folks, if, that, if you hate somebody, pray for them. Um, and pray in earnest. Don't pray because you hate them. But pray that you want to see them in heaven because it would just blow my mind if I got to spend a million years in heaven talking to Nancy Pelosi. Um, and just by praying for her, I felt a whole bunch of stress roll off my shoulders. It was a really neat feeling just now. Um, okay, so the second or the next word that comes up is the United States of America, the traditional spelling. Uh, the research by A. Ralph Epperson shows that the Constitution designates the United States uh, with the capital U and a capital S with that spelling. Uh, is uh, entity all into itself and that it constitutes the land area that we call, currently call Washington, D.C. We become part of that entity when we enter into a contract with that entity, like when we get a Social Security number. <laughs> you didn't even know when your parents signed you up, they, they enslaved you. But uh, anyway, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of good going on in the U.S., so let's just put that on the back burner, okay? Um, his work also shows that Congress has unlimited powers, and thus it has authority over all matters of government and the American people. Nancy is a large part of this de facto government. And when you read what she, that she's the most powerful wor- woman in America, that's absolutely true. It's kind of scary that the Constitution says that. 
that the uh, Congress has power over everything, all everything and all. Okay, now another word came up called Judith Maria. And nothing now, but maybe it's a futuristic event or person. However, I was thinking when I was reading this before the show, uh, Judith is a, an Old Testament character. I do believe that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, she was the sister of Judah. I'd have to look into it a little bit more, so don't quote me. And, of course, Maria is Mary, and that's the uh, the New Testament or the Catholic uh, Savior, basically, because they put her between um, themselves and Jesus. And uh, and sometimes they elevate her above Jesus. But um, anyway, so maybe she's trying to be the embodiment of both the Old and New Testament. Maybe that's what that means. Who knows? Um, the next word is bad news. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is the queen of bad news. <laughs> Boy, isn't she. She and her cohorts control the liberal press. They get airtime on all the networks and fabricate lies. She's the power behind fake news, basically. And uh, I don't know if I wrote this before the impeachment garbage was going on, but she's um, basically wasted the last two years of her term um, not really pressing into law anything meaningful, but trying to take down the, the, president, the president of the United States in a, um, a soft coup, basically. And um, she's failed several times and will continue to fail. But um, anyway... She is bad news. Now, the next phrase that comes up is thousand points of light. Now, a lot of you are probably too young to remember this, but George, uh, the first George Bush used this term. And it was really the first time it was used in a public uh, speech. Uh, it's an Illuminatus phrase. It points to a thousand points of light. It could be a thousand fallen angels. Who knows? Um, there are some that speculate that the uh, the stars in the heavens are really fallen angels. Um, that will remain to be seen. Um, anyway, uh, it points to a thousand points of light. It could be a thousand fallen angels that will be beacons for the new world order. Nancy Pelosi's politics are more akin to the Illuminati communistic thought than they are to the plans of the Constitutional Republic, which this nation was founded upon and still is the last time I looked. Although they're trying to change that almost on a daily basis. Now, the next phrase that comes up is is strange, and I had to look it up. Uh, the first word is Triton. We know that uh, that was a, um, an ancient uh, Roman god. And uh, Christasis, which is, um, well, I don't know. Let's just read here. Um, actually, when you look it up, because I had to look this up, you know, that is a word that's got to be looked up, you know. First of all, I didn't know what it meant. Second of all, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. I just know it's going to be good when I look this up. Well, actually, it's an amphibian. It's a crested newt found in Europe. Um, could this be an inference that Nancy Pelosi is a chimera, a chimera, or chimera, however you say that? Or could it mean that she's a reptilian in a disguise of a human woman? And yes, I know that amphibians and reptiles are two different things. Um but very little separates them. Um, anyway, and it also reptilians and um, amphibians only have two chambered hearts. So um, they have hearts of a different nature than uh, than human beings do. And uh, most um, Democrats do anyway. But um, 
Anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. And then when we get toward the bottom, you're going to see another reference to a, to a reptilian or a amphibian that's kind of, kind of drive or hit the ball out of the park, so to speak. Okay, the next word that comes up is you are not alone. Now, if this is to encourage Nancy, then it goes to show that um, there are millions of fallen angels in Nephilim that are present there to help her destroy America. And uh, I tend to go t with that because she definitely is doing a really good job. Although she's fighting against the uh, the king of heaven, um, who I do believe is working through Donald Trump. And uh, no weapon formed against him will prosper and no weapon uh, formed against God will prosper. So um, it's a losing battle for them. Uh, let's put it this way. They could win a battle, but they'll lose the war. Okay. Uh, and we're told that and shown that in the end, that the uh, coming of Yeshua at his second coming, when he puts all of his enemies under his feet. And I hope and pray Nancy's not one of them, but I think she may be. Okay. Now, there's another phrase, nonsense doesn't count. That's weird. I think that comes under another person I'm looking at now, too. Okay, nonsense doesn't count. Nonsense is defined as nonsense, a noun. Uh, it means no sense, words, or language which have no meaning or which convey no just ideas. Absurdity, uh, second meaning, trifles, things of no importance. Many times when this woman speaks, it makes no sense, or she sounds inebriated. She does. She sounds drunk a lot. I'm sorry, but she does. Um, and if uh, the, the stories about her uh, liquor tab on some of the flights she's taken overseas is true, then it just uh, firms that up. Um, the word equivalent, I think, is to warn Nancy that nonsense is null and void in the grand scheme of things. It might also mean that her reign in the House of Representatives will be seen by historians as nonsense and her legacy will be minimal at best. Um, she might go down as the um, the alcohol-soaked sponge of uh, of the Congress. Okay, the new word, the next word that comes up is June 9th. Now, what's important about June 9th? Well, if you do a search, you find out many battles started on this day. And according to astrology, which is the only other thing that came up, Pelosi was born when the sun was in Aries. Aries is Mars, uh, the Greco-Roman god of war. Um, and let's let's face it, she's been waging war against Trump for the last three years um, and against the American people probably for the last 40, although, they, although we haven't known it. Uh, it hasn't been outright and deliberate. But uh, she's done more to take away our freedoms probably than any other person in, in all of Congress, uh, all of the executive branch and anything else. Um, here's another word that comes up. Cease to do evil. Now, this appeals, appears to be an appeal rather than, than a command. I do believe that it's possible that Nancy Pelosi is salvageable. I said that earlier. We're Yahweh's concerned. But she needs to turn from her sin and repent before any promises can be made to her. Okay, it's all conditional with God. You know, yes, he died for everybody, but, you know, you got to come to him and you got to confess your sins. And if you're walking around thinking you don't have sins, so then you're deceived. And and if you die in that condition, then it's the down elevator, folks. Sorry, but it is. Okay, the next one is kind of comical. Stop being so silly. Believe it or not, that word, those words equal the same 
um, value in gematria uh, as uh, Nancy, what was her name, Nancy, Patricia Deal Alessandro. Okay. All right, here we go, back where we were. In Webster's 1828 Dictionary, which is really the only dictionary that I use anymore, I mean, for more modern words, I have to use a regular dictionary, but for regular words, you find out that they've changed over the years. Over the last 200 years, a lot of words have changed. They don't mean what they used to. I like to use what they used to mean uh, because it's the original um, meanings and it's not corrupted like many of today's words are. Um, and if you don't believe me, I use the word gay. It used to mean happy. Now it means that you're homosexual. Okay. Um, case in point. Um, in the 1828 Dictionary of Webster, still is defined as it's an adjective. Um, this may uh, be rel radically the same word with a prefix uh, in another um, definition, but it means a weakened intellect, foolish, witless, destitute of ordinary strength of mind, simple as a silly man, a silly child. Listening to Nancy Pelosi talk often manifests the fact that she's quite silly by this definition. Sometimes she slurs her speech. Sometimes she says things that make absolutely no sense. She's quoted scripture the wrong way, claiming to be a scriptural um, aficionado. She still quotes it the wrong way and misuses it. And I'm sorry, but God said if you corrupt this scripture and you use it the wrong way, there it's not going to be pretty for you. Um, either now or on Judgment Day. Um, so, yes, she's a, she's a very silly woman. Um, it's interesting. When I married my first wife, uh, she was from Mexico. And one of the worst things you could do is to call somebody silly. Here it means just, you know, oh, you're, you know, you're always joking around. You know, uh, down there it's definitely an insult. So, and it, it tends to go with the... Uh, the 1828 uh, dictionary definition of silly. So um, if you walk up to somebody that's of Latin descent, don't call them silly. It's uh, even if you're meaning that they're just fooling around and having fun, don't call them silly. It's not nice. And they will take offense to it, especially if they're from uh, the other side of the border. Um, now, this really interesting one comes up. This new uh, another word or a couple of words, mystic eye. Now, according to the Illuminati, the mystic eye is the third eye of one existence, the sixth sense, so to speak. Uh, it represents the spiritual part of the human existence. In Masonic tradition, the mystic eye is the all-seeing eye of God, which can be found on the back of the U.S. $1 bill. This phrase t ties Nancy Pelosi in with the deep state, the elite uh, community that runs the world, and uh, the Illuminati. So... It's looking worse and worse for her that, you know, being redeemable is a is a prospect. Plus, she probably knows that if she became redeemed and started talking about what's actually going on, her lifespan would be over with. She'd be Hillaryed in about two seconds. Um, the next word that comes up and pretty well drives another nail in a coffin is satanic coven. It's the same word equivalent in Hebrew transliterated into English. Um, uh, we know that Satan is a name given to Lucifer. Lucifer is the god of the elites, the Masons, the Illuminists. Uh, to say that Nancy Pelosi is a member of a Luciferian agenda is more, prob more of a probability than a possibility. 
The next word that comes up is benevolent alien. Eh, there are no such things. Uh, first of all, I'm talking about space aliens. Uh, first, of, first off, uh, there's no such thing as aliens. Uh, they're fallen angels. And if you do any research into it, you find out that's true. Uh, why would the name be benevolent alien? Well, benevolent aliens, according to UFO culture, are Nordics that have Scandinavian characteristics. Many people equate them with good angels. Seeing that Nancy's name has the same value as a newt or an amphibian, as well as we will see below in a family of uh, large lizards, it's possible Nancy is uh, akin to reptilians and is disguised as a good alien in human form, of course. Um, I don't know. I don't know. She's uh, Every time she talks, she convinces me that she's not of this world. Um, there's another word, Cubans, C-U-V-I-N-S. And basically what those are are periwinkles. You like periwinkles? I think they're neat looking flowers, actually. But they contain uh, poisons called vincristine and vinblastine. And uh, both agents are used for chemotherapy. And they're very, very toxic. Um, I remember uh, one day I was working at a pharmacy. And uh, we had a bring one of those up to one of the patients. I can't remember exactly which drug it was, but it was a cancer drug like that. And somebody had dropped, a nurse had came, come to pick it up and she dropped the vial on the, on the carpet and it broke. Well, they sealed the whole hallway off. We had to get out of the pharmacy because it wasn't too far away from that. They had to call a hazmat team and to clean it up. I think they even removed that part of the carpet and replaced it. And then they had to clean the, um, scrub the, uh, concrete that was underneath that's how that's how toxic we're talking about with this so these uh, periwinkles are not fun to be or something to be messed with uh, both agents are used for chemotherapy uh, which is basically controlled poisoning it's no secret that nancy is a member of the deep state therefore she is controlled by the elites elites like george soros hey who we're going to be talking about next have said that they are working to destroy the united states they're using all sorts of poisons to bring about a slow but agonizing death. Thankfully, we have Donald Trump to thwart their efforts. And thankfully, Donald Trump is working, um, as far as I know, with Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh -Heh or Yahweh or the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's in a win-win situation. We all are if, we're, if we um, acknowledge our sins and ask God for forgiveness. Okay, this nation will be healed. Um, the next word that comes up is despotic tyrant. Well, yeah, she has every earmark of this title. The tree bears bad fruit. Okay, the next word that comes up, the dens of evil. Whether it be meeting with the Illuminati elites or working with the House of Representatives, she in inhabits the dens of evil. And believe me, the, uh, the halls of Congress are evil. And uh, hopefully they'll be cleaned out someday and, and somebody will go in there and anoint the place with oil and and um, it'll become a place of holiness again rather than um, a place of uh, wickedness and evil and, and all sorts of places. The last word that comes up is the word Salvator, S-A-L-V-A-T-O-R. First thing I thought was Savior because Salvador, but it's a different word. Okay. And. Remember what I told you before. So if you think of Salvatore, what do you think of? You know, I'm going to give you about five seconds. Four, three, 
two one. Remember we I said earlier that it was a one of the names was an amphibian, and then another there was another um, thing that kind of led to belief that maybe there's uh, uh, reptilian things going on here. Well, a salvator is another name of a genus of lizards, the monitor lizard. Again, we have a reference to an amphibian or reptilian foundation in Nancy Pelosi's existence. And boy, those monitor lizards, they're ruthless. Um, I've seen, if you watch Animal Planet or Discovery Channel and stuff like that, um, you can actually see where they'll, they'll chase people up trees if there's a group of them. And uh, boy, if you come down there on that tree, you're, you're lizard food. So anyway, okay, so that kind of ends our little expose, shall I say, gematric expose of Nancy Pelosi. And uh, her name equivalents do not add up to very nice things. And it just makes me wonder, you know. Um, okay, so the next one is going to be, and I have to find them, so bear with me. Like I said, I'm operating on no coffee. Okay. Now, I did this back in 2016. Who is George Soros? Now, here's there's a little disclaimer. I made a purpose, an explanation, or method about a month ago, and that was back in October, or it says today is October 12, 2016. Wow, it was four years ago, um, almost. I wanted to conduct a research on the ultimate fascist, fascist, <laughs> fascist George Soros. I've always been interested in uh, in this traitor and what drives them to turn him to turn against his, their own people, um, traitors in general. Uh, where Soros is concerned, I wanted to research his upbringing and try to get his, into his brain to see what makes him tick. What I found was alarming, to say the least. I believe that names have a meaning. and We've gone into this. And I also believe that if a name has a meaning, that a person has a good chance of uh, taking on the personality of that meaning. Uh, a good example of this is a little mentioned individual named in scripture named Peleg. Oh, that's a good example. I forgot about Peleg. Uh, Peleg was the son of Eber. And uh, uh, Eber is, uh, it's thought that it's where the name Hebrew comes from. Eber, Hebrew. Okay. Um, Eber was the forefather of Ad Abraham and all of Abraham's descendants. Scripture says that Peleg was given his name because during his days the earth was divided. Peleg means, literally, channeled by water, which leads many to speculate that during his day one land, huge landmass became the continents that we live on today. It could also be that Peleg was born around or about the time that Yahweh confused the languages of mankind and caused men to divide into na nations and tribes. Uh, remember the Tower of Babel um, story in either case his name is the epitome of how names have have a meaning uh, when i was a young believer in yeshua back in the 1970s i noticed that the prophecy buffs started to ascribe numerical values uh, to letters of the english language they said that the letter a had the value of one the letter b had the value of two and it continued until they arrived at z which had 26 as this numerical value using this method which has the name <clears throat> numerology People would take the name of world leaders to see if their letters equaled 666, the number of the anti-Messiah or the Antichrist. Of course, none of these people took into account that some names are not spelled with the same letters in their original languages. For instance, if someone today were trying to figure out 
if uh, Benjamin Netanyahu is the anti-Messiah, anti-Christ, using the English lettering, they would be wrong right off the bat because Hebrew has no equivalent to the letter J. And in Hebrew, his first name is Binyamin. If you were uh, to correctly transliterate his name, that is. So there are some faulty ideas when it comes to numerology. Another thing about numerology referring referred to as uh, gematria in Hebrew is that it only seems to work correctly when other languages are transliterated into Hebrew. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that gematria has its questionable areas too. For instance, my name is David, and it's defined as beloved. Yahweh even says this in scripture that David was his beloved. If you type David in a gematria calculator, the word beloved does not come up, nor does love, loving, or anything else associated with being loved. We're told very clearly in scripture that the word peleg means divided or channeled by water. Yet typing it in a gematria calculator does not yield either word or phrase. We are uh, we have to take numerology with a grain of salt. With this in mind, I question the results what I got for George Soros when I typed them into the gematria calculator. There are, were, however, so many negative and ungodly attributes to his name that I thought that maybe it was not a coincidence. You be the judge about that, okay? Um, <clears throat> many might ask why did I didn't enter uh, Soros, uh, Soros's original name, to the database. That answer, the answer, I did. There were many interesting attributes to George Swartz, uh, as there were more with George Soros. Also, there are two ways to spell his former last name, S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z and S-C-H-W-A-R-Z. Uh, the meanings could differ greatly, uh, missing that one letter in the latter spelling. Um, when you look, when you grow up in a European neighborhood back in New Jersey, you, you figure out these things about spellings. Uh, in addition, the name changed to Soros by Soros's father and mother was deliberate. His family's decision to take on the name Soros was done to disassociate themselves from their Jewish heritage and their Jewish religion. They were atheist Jews. Uh, they deliberately left the camp of Israel, putting themselves outside of the camp. And the Bible's clear that if someone was banished from the camp or chose to leave the camp, they were no longer part of Yahweh's plan. In their own eyes, the Soroses were starting a new destiny, but in the grand scheme of things, they were fulfilling the destiny that was written about them from the when time before, before time began. Excuse me. I did a Google search, typing in George Soros's name meaning, thinking that I could find out what George Soros means and what George, uh, what Soros means. The name George uh, means farmer, or better rendering as an earth worker. Uh, this is interesting because Soros is attempting to work the whole earth towards the new world order. His surname, Soros, had a dual meaning. In Hungarian, Soros means successor. And in Esperanto, the name means to soar. If we put it all together, we get an earth, wor earth, <laughs> an earth worker that will succeed another, succeed another and will soar. Wow, that's a powerful moniker and it seems to have lived up to it in every way, actually. Um, the definition of his common name almost makes one makes him sound like he's a good character. However, in uh, the same Wikipedia article, it's told how Soros speculates on currencies, futures, and the success and failures of governments and people. 
Speculation itself is not a bad thing. It's basically like any other stock venture. You invest and you hope that you have to you invest in something that will succeed. The problem is Soros is a paras, is parasitical in nature. He has enough money and clout that he can invest in something and make it work. He worms, no pun intended, uh, his way into the affairs of companies, governments, and people, and feeds off his hosts, uh, keeping them alive until he no longer needs them. And then he spreads his eggs, meddling to other hosts. While Soros has delusions of grandeur and he thinks of himself as some beneficial godlike figure, his actions are actually, actually self-serving and satanic in nature. Again, the attributes of someone with a personality disorder. Okay, knowing that this man's best efforts are disingenuous at best, I had to research the name more to see if there's an occult connection to his name. Is he just a man that is deeply disturbed and deceived, or is he a man of perdition, an abomination that has been born to perdition and unsalvageable? Is there a chance I will see him in heaven someday, or will I see him cast into the lake of fire with all the other men of perdition and abominable people? Truth be told, only Yahweh knows the answer to this, but we can make some sort of determination by looking at the fruits of his attributes. Okay, now we're heading towards the showdown. We have to uncomfortably accept the fact that the New World Order will eventually overtake the world. Believers in Yeshua have known since Yeshua uttered these words to his disciples, as we've seen in the 24th chapter of Matthew, that world events would have to come to a head and that the world would have to become altogether corrupted before his imminent return. He alluded that there would come a time when the endless power, when, excuse me, when the powers of darkness would become so strong that only the return of Mashiach could bring them to an end. Uh, the thought that perhaps this time, uh, the era we are now living in, is the end of days is unnerving to everyone in this world. And yes, even the most ardent follower of Yeshua. Uh, the thought that... Uh, one might witness the demise of the of their loved ones at the hands of evil men is hard to accept, and being present at the eventuality is crushing to the soul. There have always been elites in society in past ages. They were called nobility, clergy in the Western world. Their characteristic label is other things around the world. The common man and the righteous man have always suffered under these elites. However, never before in history have elites had the capability to take over the world using political and religious fanaticism or fascism. We sometimes feel helpless when we see evil advancing unchecked, and we pray and pray, yet the powers of darkness gain strength, and we have serious we have to seriously wonder if evil is is left unchecked by Yahweh so as to set up the final showdown between two kingdoms that have fought each other for years, months, decades millennia, the forces of Satan versus the majesty of Yahweh. Okay, I was wondering how long this goes before we get down to the names. Each and every person reading this article has had an, had in their life a person or a group of people that if you tried, you've tried to peacefully coexist alongside. We have strived, strived with these people and kept an uneasy peace for months, years, and maybe even decades. We always knew, however, that someday situations would dictate that a conflict would occur that would somehow bring about a final resolution. We have witnessed over the past several decades that um, it's like um, is like that 
personal situation that I just illustrated. Everything has become polarized to the point where there is no gray, no longer any gray area, no middle of the road. All situations have come to the point where there cannot be a fence walkers and everyone must choose a side. I've started to notice that this occurring even in what many call the church. For quite a few years, Yahweh has been quietly separating the sheep from the goats, but now we witness that the separation is out in the open. It has evolved in... Um, it has evolved from a battle of words to an outright street fight. Uh, Yeshua once said that a uh, farmer does not try to uproot the tares from the wheat when both plants are young. Uh, young wheat and tares look the same, and, and their roots are intermingled. However, when the wheat matures, it's easy to see the difference, and at harvest time, the two can be safely separated. The polarization of both the church and society is becoming painful, and result in a civil war in each arena. Uh, wherever there's a civil war or the threat of one, there are outside forces that try to take advantage of the situation at hand. Uh, during the U.S. Civil War, the English saw an opportunity to support the Confederacy, as did the French, and they did so until they saw that the South was losing the war. In our current world, predators look uh, to attack and kill the weak and infirm because they are easy targets. The United States and Western Europe have become weak and infirm because they have, been, they have allowed the foundation of Western society to become undermined, and that undermining has caused the foundation to crumble. See, in a weakened foundation, men like Warren Buffett, George Soros, see an opportunity to capsize the West and to bring millions of people under subjection uh, of the new world order that the elites are successfully building, that, uh, or should I say, are resurrecting that's been around forever. Um, if you've paid attention at all to what's happening behind the scenes of America and European politics, you have no doubt heard that George Soros pop the name or George Soros pop up in conversation or in written word. George Soros is a Hungarian American billionaire that's credited with crashing the Bank of England. He is a meddlesome little bugaboo that has brought off uh, bought off numerous politicians and has funded many anti-American protests both inside the U.S. and around the world. You see Black Lives Matter, you see Antifa, you see George Soros. Soros is the individual that is the classic example of someone with an antisocial personality disorder. He possesses a God complex that is dedicated to establishing a one-world fascist government, no matter what the cost. So, what does George um, Soros think about himself? Very interesting. Because he's not ashamed to tell people. <clears throat> After reading what George Soros thinks about himself, it's clear that words like megalomaniac are too mild to describe his character. No, he is more aptly described as a person with an antisocial personality disorder with a God complex. Hebrew scripture is quite clear when it says that the mouth issues for things that are in the heart. And it certainly is true when it comes to George Soros thinking that he's some sort of God. Let's look at some quotes. Uh, God is God in the Old Testament has a number of attributes, you know, like invisible. I was pretty invisible, benevolent. I was pretty benevolent, all seeing. I tried to be all seeing. This is back on the Glenn Beck show, November 11, 2010. Another quote. I admit that I've always harbored an exaggerated view of self-importance. To put it bluntly, I fancied myself as some kind of God or an economic reformer like 
uh, Keynes, each with a with his general theory, or even better, a scientist like Einstein, reflexibility sounds like relativity, and that was in the Alchemy of Finance by George Soros, uh, found on Google Books. Okay, another quote. It's sort of like it, it's sort of a disease when you consider yourself a kind of god the creator of everything, but I feel comfortable about it now since I began to live it out. And that's from the billionaire who create, who built on chaos, um, George Soros, the independent June 3rd, 1993. If here's another one, if truth be known, I carried some rather potent messianic fantasies of me from childhood, which I felt I had to control. Otherwise I might up end up in a loony bin too bad. Um, but when I made my way, into the world, I wanted to indulge myself in my fantasies to the extent that I could afford. Um, and that's in underwriting democracy, encouraging free enterprise and democratic reform among the Soviets and, and in Eastern Europe, George Soros, and it's found on Google Books. Okay. So finally, with these things in mind, it's prudent to use Gamatria Calculator to see how the name George Soros plays out when it comes to his name value. George Soros has a Hebrew Gematria score of 514 and shares that value with some very interesting things. Bear in mind that there were some things that came up with the value of 514 that were basically stupid or not at all in contact with context with Soros's personality or his agenda. These ambiguous things I have omitted. I do encourage you if you want to see if my assertions about these ambiguous words are correct that you can use the Gematria calculator to verify what I've just said. Please check all of my work, especially when it comes to meshing with scripture, the lower some of the value matches. Okay, the first one is nuclear accident. Uh, was he behind the lack of response of the Japanese reactor after the earthquake and tidal wave? If the technology exists to create or manipulate weather and or seismic events, does Soros possess it and does he control or does he control someone that does? There are rumors out there that modern science can do a lot of things that we have never seen before. Uh, we know they can control the weather. Uh, whether they can control seismic events, I do not doubt. Okay, the next one is um, Shinning Star, and it's S-H-I-N-N-I-N-G Star. Now, Shinning is an actual word, believe it or not. It means to climb up or down something without gripping it with your arms or legs. Can Soros be climbing to the top by holding onto Lucifer, the son of the morning? Something to think about, right? Is that how we got to where he is? The devil can do a lot of things to people that are dedicated to him. Talk to any you know, talk to any famous rock and roll band. <laughs> the Rolling Stones will tell you, hey, we don't know where we got our music from. One day we were just sitting there and the music came. And I remember one day when um, I think it was David Letterman asked um, Mick Jagger if he served the devil. Mick Jagger just kind of laughed, and that's all he did. Um, I saw that I was the that as a yes. Okay. Now the next word is Armillus Obama. Now this has an interesting definition. I don't know about you, but whenever I see the word Obama or something, it bears closer examination or research, and almost every time something that is not sound or good. Now, Armillus, um, now if you look at it in Hebrew, also spelled Armillos or Armilius, 
is an anti-Messiah figure in medieval Jewish eschatology compared to medieval um, interpretations of the Christian Antichrist and Islamic Dahal, uh, who will conquer Jerusalem and persecute Jews until his final defeat at the hands of God or the true Messiah. His inevitable destruction symbolizes the ultimate victory of good over evil in a messianic age. Therefore, what the term means is that Obama is an antichrist, a type. The fact that this uh, is an equal number value to George Soros uh, may mean that George Soros has bought Obama to the presidential throne for his, for Soros's purposes. <clears throat> Interesting. In other words, that comes up is dazed. The word dazed is defined in Webster's 1828 dictionary. Um, as a verb, transitive verb, to overpower with light, to dim or blind by strong, to, to dim or blind by too strong a light, or to render the sight unsteady. Okay, that's self-explanatory. We know that Satan comes as an angel of light, and maybe uh, he uses George Soros or vice versa to daze their uh, their adversaries. I know that if you put a million dollars in front of somebody and ask them to do something, that's a lot easier for them to do than if they're they're not uh, dazed by the uh, the prospect of all that money. Okay. Popocatapetl. <laughs> I can't believe I said that the first time. Um, it's a volcano in, in Mexico that's been erupting since 1994. Popocatapetl in uh Nahuatl means smoking mountain. It's just interesting enough, a large eruption occurred in 1947. This is the year that figures well with prophetic timing of Israel. It was also in 1994 that George Soros proclaimed himself to be Deus Ex Machina of sorts. Okay, so what does that mean, Deus Ex Machina? Okay, it's a Latin um, calic from the Greek meaning God from the machine. The term has evolved to mean a plot a plot device whereby a seemingly unsolvable problem is suddenly and abruptly resolved by the inspired and unexpected intervention of some new event, character, or ability, or object. Depending on how it is done, it can be in, intended to allow a story to continue when the writer has painted himself into a corner and sees no other way out to surprise an audience to bring the tale to a happy ending as in a comedic device. It's interesting that the antics of George Soros in this world have thrown the whole world into chaos. He has seriously disrupted the stability of the world, and it's clear that he is a proponent of the one world order. One has to wonder if when things seem at their worst, George Soros will enter onto the stage and offer to have all of the solutions. Ooh. We're talking antichrist or false prophet here. Okay, another word. Pneumatikoi. Pneumatikoi. Uh, if you've researched biblical Greek all you at all, you might recognize this word. Um, okay, I don't understand what I wrote here. If you have to research this, recognize this word. To its meanings have to do with the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and those who work for Yahweh under the direction of the Holy Spirit. 
Another meaning refers to the spirit of men as the spirit of a man is the third part of the triune makeup of men, body, soul, and spirit. The last definition fits the character and mission of Soros. Uh, therefore, I will provide that definition in full. And that definition is belonging to a spirit or a being higher than man, but inferior to God. Spiritual beings are powers. Um, wicked spirits, Ephesians 6.12. It's obvious that Soros is not operating under the direction of the Ruach HaKodesh or the Holy Spirit. And he likes, um, and he, like all other natural men, have a spirit. So the only definition that makes sense and fits the uh, context of, is the one above. Looking at George Soros, observing his actions, and looking at the context, contents of his quotes, the only deduction that can be made is that Soros is under the direction of wicked spiritual beings. Beings. <laughs> Glad I clarified that because you can have a burrito with wicked spiritual beans in it. Um, ha ha. Um, the kind of humor you come up with at 1230 in the morning. Um, Fleur de soleil. Well, this sounds so eloquent in French. It means sunflower. <clears throat> I researched for occult symbols of sunflower, seeing that many Illuminati worshipped the sun and found the following. The daisy flower, the marigold, and the sunflower also also are indicative of the sun as a deity and so traditionally adherents of the mystery religions as well as Hindus, Zoroastrians, and others utilize these symbols. Adam Weisenhop, founder in, in 1776 of the Order of the Illuminati, encouraged flower power as a symbol and it was taken up by the New Age hippies in the 1960s. I have a picture of uh, George Harrison standing in Time magazine with a sun, holding a sunflower uh, dressed in all black. Upon his death, <clears throat> Time Magazine published this telling photo of Beatles superstar George Harrison, uh, born 1943, died 2001. On the cover, it's December 10, 2001 issue. Harrison is wearing a black, and in a black and white photo holds a sunflower, symbol of the Illuminati sun god. The solar deity is also prominently worshipped in the Hindu religion, and the Beatles were devoted followers of the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi and other Indian who, uh, Hindu gurus. Times feature story, in fact, reports that George Harrison never gave up on his gurus to his dying breath. All the Beatles were drenched in illegal drugs such as cocaine, hashish, and heroin. Their album, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, even had a cameo, a photo in of uh, British 666 beast Satanist priest Alastair Crowley on its cover. Hold on while I scroll down. Thank you. Uh, the latest information is that the Beatles were an experimental music group sponsored behind the scenes of by British and U.S. intelligence. Their role was intended to use various psyops mechanisms and anti-Christian messages to arouse turmoil and psychological trauma in society. One of the Beatles' most memorable albums was titled Magical Mystery Tour. Beatle John Lennon <clears throat> was murdered by a man that may, many believed to have been a CIA-trained Manchurian candidate, and George Harrison was once assaulted and established by a would-be assassin. And the source for that is uh, Bibliotech uh, oh, Pleiades Net forward slash sociopolitical, forward slash code. You just go to the website and read this, and you'll see what that is. 
knowing it it's uh, in its intent to remake capitalism into fascist capitalism, um, the probability and probably by doing so in any way possible, it would not be surprising, but expected for George Soros, one of the higher ups in the Illuminati's plans to start a new world order and to be a sun worshiper. The next word that comes up is uh, laud or load antichrist. Okay, I hope you're sitting down because you're either going to fall down laughing or you're going to see how Islamic eschatology can be melded into Christian eschatology and how believers in Yeshua could be deceived if they were to buy into Chrislam. In Islam, Yeshua is known as Issa ibn Mary, Miriam or Yeshua or Jesus, son of Miriam or Mary. Uh, the Islamic equivalent to Antichrist is called the Dijal or D-I-G-G-J-J-A-L. Uh, there are several different accounts of the killing of uh, Dijal, probably because of the whole Sunni versus Shia versus smaller sex garbage that goes on all the time in, in Islam. Uh, Muslims hate their com- competing, competing sex, S-E-C-T-S, just as much as they hate non-believers. Basically, from what I've been able to understand, they, are, they all share, share the following. Uh, there will someday, there will come someday when the Jajal will be quartered in load, um, Lud in Arabic. And at that time, Issa or Yeshua will come down from heaven to slay him. After that time, the last Imam or Mahadi uh, will come to earth to rule. As an aside, isn't it like, isn't that like Muslims letting others take care of the hardships so that they can reap the benefits? As you can see, Yeshua is mentioned in the Quran and if a, in a few other Islamic writings, but always as the son of Mary and not the son of Yahweh. And he's also called the prophet of God or Allah and not Yahweh come in the flesh. This will be a litmus test when the Islamists say to, to you that they believe in Yeshua. The Brihadasha or the New Testament is specific that true believers in Yeshua know that Yeshua is Yahweh come in the flesh, all Yahweh and all Adam. Personally, I do not believe that George Soros is in the anti-Messiah. I do believe that he is working on establishing it for, for that person in the way of bringing the world together under one roof. Now, the next word that comes up is challenge day. This is a, actually a program that is brought into schools in the guise of helping students to cope with problems. In essence, it's just another self-help program. It puts the students through a series of highs and lows so that they can get in touch with their feelings. George Soros is a major supporter of this program, and so are people like Oprah Winfrey, Ted Turner, etc. Uh, when these three people are interested in helping kids, major red flags should go up. This is just another indoctrination program to grab the minds of the children and to soften them up for the new age and the new world order. Okay, the next word is sigil of Lucifer. This is quite interesting. What is a sigil exactly? The 1828 Webster's Dictionary defines sigil as um, a seal, a signature. In addition to the modern uh, and online Webster's Dictionary defines sigil as a sign, word, or device held, held to have occult power in astrology or magic. By looking at the definitions, we can see that Soros is Lucifer's signature man, um, the one that can give orders and seal them with Lucifer's signature. 
use a device that Lucifer is using, one that has occult power in astrology and or magic. Did you ever wonder why this reptilian can do whatever he wants and he's never held accountable? Well, he has satanic authority and is in satanic and in a satanic world. That's why. The next word that comes up is priests of Baal. Before we can go further, we have to define who Baal or Baal is, really is. Um, and it's always spelled B-A-A-L in the Bible. Was the name of a supreme god worshipped by the ancient Canaan and Canaanites and Phoenicians. Uh, the practice of Baal worship and infiltrated Jewish religious life during the time of the judges. We see that in Judges 3.7. Became widespread in Israel during the reign of Ahab. And that's in 1 Kings 16. And also affected Judah, 2 Chronicles uh, 28. The word Baal means Lord. The plural is Baalim, which means lords. Um, in general, Baal was a fertility god and was believed to enable uh, the earth to produce crops and to produce and people to produce children. Different religions worship Baal in different ways, and Baal uh, proved to be a highly adaptable god. Various locales emphasize one or another of his attributes and develops the special denominations of Baalism. Uh, Baal Pure in Numbers 25, verse 3, and Baal Barith in Judges 8.33 are two examples of such local de localized deities. According to the Canaanite mythology, Baal was the son of El, the chief god, and Asherah, the goddess of the sea. Baal was considered the most powerful of all gods, eclipsing El, who was seen as rather weak and ineffective. Now remember, El is usually the god of the Bible. Okay, In various uh, battles, uh, actually not in his story, but like El Shaddai, El Elyon, Elohim, um, that's the name of our god. Anyway, so in, in their culture, he was seen as rather weak and ineffective. In various battles, Baal defeated Yom, the god of the sea, and Mat, the god of the, the god of death in the underworld. Baal's sisters or consorts were Astaroth, where we get the name Easter, a fertility goddess associated with the stars, and Anath, the goddess of love and war. The Canaanites worshipped Baal as the sun god and the storm god. He is usually depicted holding a lightning bolt who defeated enemies and produced crops. They also worshipped him as a fertility god who provided children. Baal worship was rooted in sensuality, involved ritualistic prostitution in the temples. At times, appeasing Baal required human sacrifice, usually the firstborn of one's making, uh, of the ones making the sacrifice, Jeremiah 19.5. Uh, the priests of Baal appealed to their god in rites of uh, wild abandon while including loud, ecstatic cries and self-inflicted injuries. You ever seen the Muslims taking whips and whipping their backs until they're bleeding? Makes you wonder, huh? Before the, he uh, the Hebrews <clears throat> encountered the promised land, the Lord warned them against worshiping Canaanite gods. Uh, that's in Deuteronomy 6, 14 and 15. But Israel turned to idolatry anyway. During the reign of Ahab and Jezebel at the height of Baal worship in Israel, God directly confronted the paganism through his prophet Elijah. First, God showed that he, not Baal, controlled the reign by sending a drought lasting three and one half years. And that's in 1 Kings 17. Uh, then Elijah called for a showdown on Mount Carmel. 
to prove once and for all who was the true God. All day long, 450 prophets of Baal called on their God to send fire from heaven. Surely an easy task for a God associated with lightning bolts. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. First <clears throat> King 18. After Baal's prophets gave up, Elijah prayed a simple prayer, and God answered immediately with fire from heaven. The evidence was overwhelming, and the people fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Verse 39. In Matthew 12:27, Jesus calls Satan Beelzebub, linking the devil to Baal-zebub, a Philistine deity, in 2 Kings 1-2. The Baalim of the Old Testament were nothing more than demons masquerading as gods, and all idolatry is uh, ultimately devil worship, 1 Corinthians 10.20. And that's, that source was https gotquestions.org, who is Baal.html. Um, it's interesting that we see uh, sun worship coming into the mix again. Another thing that we see is that the priests of Baal would work themselves into a frenzy when calling on their Lord. This included cutting themselves with knives in an effort to get attention to their petitions. And yes, there is something that Islam does during their holy day of of Eid. We may never know for sure if Soros practices such things, but I think that it's uncanny that the Gematria figures that the value of his name equals the value of the priests of Baal. However, we have already seen that the Laud Antichrist is Islamic in nature, and so are the actions of the priests of Baal. The evidence is circumstantial, but it is compelling thus far. Okay, we're getting there, folks. This is a long one, okay? Um, If I had music to play, I'd play it for a few minutes just to kind of break it up. But I don't, so sorry. Uh, The next name that comes up is King Conqueror. Interesting. This is a very telling moniker. I say this because I can, it can have two meanings. It can mean that he, he as a king, is a conqueror, or it can mean that he is a man that conquers kings. Uh, both apply to George Soros. In the financial world, he is the king of all sorts, seeing that he came from very little and made a kingdom for himself with a satanic plan, of course. Um, in addition, he has been cunning enough to take down national banks and buy nations. Speaking of which, in the last 10 years or so, George Soros has become very vocal, bragging that he has presidents and potential presidents in his pocket. It has been associated with much of the racial strife that we now see here in the United States, which was promoted by Obama and other foreign interests. And let me add to that, that um, Antifa is one of his major bastard children. Um, He finances them, he buses them into areas, and he pays them. Um, and when you have a group of them yelling out, George Soros, where's our pay? It kind of cements that in pretty good. Um, the next name that comes up is Arcturian. According to the New Age, uh, the New Age thought in regard to extraterrestrials, there are several races visiting the Earth that want to help us to evolve spiritually. First off, this is it is my contention, and one that I have proven both biblically and scientifically, that these supposed races of visitors are fallen angels. Uh, go to the delusionresistance.org, and there's a whole bunch of stuff about that on there. Um, the message is always anti-Messiah. Having researched through many pages for a definition of what Arcturians are, or who they claim to be, I found a page that yields the best explanation. The Arcturians are a group of conscious... Um, 
consciousness extraterrestrial race that are highly evolved and come from Arcturus star system. They seek to help mankind are known as master healers. Their skills and knowledge in working with spiritual energies are immense. They have channeled through me and they are, that's, I'm not saying me. This is the person that wrote this. Uh, they have channeled through me and they are motivated to help us humans find our perfect self. Perfection here means being connected and aligned with our divine self in ways which lead to the fullest possible experience and expression. Sometimes we need healing to assist us in this. And so this is why we are known for our healing skills. However, they are capable of helping us in many different aspects of our multidimensional self, such as with energetic purification, grounding, soul awareness, and with working in energetic ways with our chakras and light bodies. And that comes from uh, www.seriousascension.com slash extraterrestrials.htm. Aside from all of the uh, horse hockey in a paragraph, one term stands out that brings us back to our little study of challenge day. That term is soul awareness. And it is the same thing that we found in, it found in challenge day where children are helping to find themselves yet another self-help method of softening up the populace. Now, I seriously doubt that George Soros is an actual Acturian because extraterrestrials are actually fallen angels. But I'd like to show, I like I've shown in my Days of Noah series, uh, there was DNA manipulation before the flood of Noah's day and probably after that time too, and it currently is today. If the fallen angels in disguise of Arcturians have offered altered DNA to George Soros and he has accepted their offer, then perhaps... Uh, some case could be made for the Arcturians and George Soros having the same Gamatria numbers. This is a perfect segue into the discussion of the next phase of how it could connect to George Soros. Okay, so the next word is Dulce Genetics Lab. Of all of the Gamatria matches that I've found, this is the one that I find the, high, the highest interest in. Uh, when I look at photos of George Soros, something just doesn't look normal. It's almost like Soros is part human and part something else. I've always had a sneaking suspicion that he has had his DNA mingled with uh, DNA from another species, either worldly or otherworldly. The Internet is rife <clears throat> with stories about what is known as DUMB, D-U-M-B, which is an acronym for Deep Underground Military Base. Um, as a legend has it, back in the 1950s, the United States entered into a treaty with what it thought was one or more extraterrestrial races in exchange for technology, the government gave permission for these entities to abduct a certain amount of it, its citizens for experimental purposes. In concert, in concert with these aliens, the military built bases deep within the earth and shared tenancy with the aliens. Um, legend says this is how these bases came into being. Supposedly, the aliens renegade, the aliens rent reneged on their part of the agreement and took far more than they agreed. It's rumored that around Dulce in New Mexico, there exists such a base and some of the stories coming out of the base are incredible. It's long been rumored that the fallen angels that refer to themselves as reptilians or entities that are in charge of these earth uh, of this earthly mission. Um, a cursory reading of the book of Jasher shows that before the flood of Noah's time, DNA manipulated was Manipulation was quite common, and with the promise that uh, when he returned, Yeshua said it would be like the time as it was in the days of Noah, the pieces of, puzzle, of the puzzle start to fit together. 
which cements the whole DNA premise of mixing seeds can be found in the prophetic book of Daniel, which says, And whereas thou sawest the feet of toes and part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part iron and part clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave to one another, even as iron does not mix with clay. Knowing that Adam was created from the dust of the earth, hence clay, uh, we have to deduce that they are something other than human. All along, Yahweh was telling us that there would be a DNA manipulation and mixing in the last days. George Soros is rich beyond any of our imagination, and he has the power. The only thing that he would be lacking is some sort of spiritual power of promise of eternal life. But a lie of attaining such a mixing of his DNA with that of fallen angels would help him to believe a lie that he would have su- he could have such power. Uh, so seeing that his name having the same gematria value as Dulce Genetic Lab um, is not at all surprising, at least to me anyway. <clears throat> the next word that equals his gematria value is the next phrase actually is his name is Satan. This is sort of ambiguous because it's not clear whether the gematria tells us that Soros is Satan or if the statement is something that Soros, George Soros proclaims. In either case, it's interesting that the numeric values are the same. The next word, words, internal order. It's no secret that George Soros has uh, wormed his way into the internal affairs of many nations. It's also known that he he has bought off many politicians, Hillary Clinton being the latest casualty of Soros' meddling. I don't consider her a casualty anymore. She's a willing participant. It's not surprising that um, internal order, a.k.a. infiltration, matches his name, his numeric value. The next word is poor scrat, S-C-R-A-T. This word has a variety of meanings. First and most popular, it means to rake or to scratch, like a cat does with its claws. It also means to rake, like going through something with a fine-tooth comb. And an old Gaelic term, it meant an old an old mean person, an obsolete definition in Anglo-Saxon meant hermaphrodite. Um, I'll leave this one up to the reader's interpretation and up to you folks too. Okay. You take that one and run with it if you want. (laughs) Okay. Next word is prophetic math. Prophetic math automatically makes me think of the 70 weeks of Daniel's prophecy. We know that 69 of those weeks were completed with the coming and death of Yeshua HaMashiach or Jesus Christ, but one week still remains. The remaining week is uh, what many hold to be the seven, seven last years of human domain on earth, human control on earth. Uh, the first hyster- historic events that were given to us is in the book of Revelation. Um, that the words prophetic math are equivalent to the value of George Soros could mean that he will be a key figure during that time. And if he is a key player for setting up the beast system mentioned in Revelation, then his actions are fulfilling a prophetic schedule. I, for one, hope that he's not around during that period. I, for one, hope that he's gone tomorrow. 
that he will meet with an untimely demise and not be a problem anymore. But that remains to be seen. The next um, <clears throat> phrase that comes up with his numeric value is the Dome of the Rock. While my research could not find direct ties between Soros and the Dome of the Rock, it's common knowledge that Soros is very proactive in supporting anti-Israel organizations. It would come as no surprise to me that Soros was behind the pressuring of Israel to give up the administration of the Temple Mount and hand it over to Jordan or the Islamics. The next word is the fire stealer. <clears throat> that this phrase matches your source is indeed interesting. The first thing that came to my mind is that we were told that Johannan the Baptist or John the Baptist, that uh, Yeshua would baptize his followers with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I believe that the fire here is the refiner's fire, one similar to that of the goldsmith or the silversmith that would melt down precious metals and remove the dross and impurities that would rise to the top during the molten process. However, sorrow supports people and nations that bring persecution to the body of Mashiach or Christ. Therefore, he could be considered a source of the fire that Yahweh uses to bring purity to his followers. A possible scenario could be that uh, this symbol. A possible scenario could be that this symbolic of a man can have can buy and conquer nations uh, that have nuclear war capabilities. For instance, it's no secret that Soros owns Hillary Clinton. He's made the statement: if she were to become president, he owned her. Then uh, he's in effect stolen the fire from our nation because he can dictate to Clinton, to his Clinton puppet, how to use the nuclear arsenal. Uh, the Thank God that never happened. Um, the most plausible meaning, however, is found in his words. Sorrow has, has claimed to be a great benefactor of mankind and even compares himself to being a god. We saw that in his quotes at the beginning of this document. Soros has a, good, a god complex and he's quite proud of it. He also claims to be a benefactor of people. A simple search with a few keywords found the following results of another character that stole fire from the gods on Mount Olympus and gave that technology to mankind. Prometheus, meaning forethought, is a titan in Greek mythology, best known as the deity in Greek mythology who is the creator of mankind and its greatest benefactor, who stole fire from Mount Olympus and gave it to mankind. Enough said about that. The titans of Greek mythology were crossbreds born uh, from the union of the gods of Olympus and human females. Hey, uh, where do we read about that? We know that the Nephilim were hybrids fall between fallen angels and human females. We also saw earlier that Soros' name bears the same numerical value of Dulce Genetics Lab, long, long rumored to be a combined lab of humans working with aliens or fallen angels. Could George Soros be a Nephilim? Perhaps he uses the technology of the fallen angels to enhance his own DNA. Another clue is his rabid hatred for followers of Yeshua and his tolerance, barely, of Jews. Whether he'll someday gain control of the West's nuclear arsenal and somehow share it with Yahweh's enemies is yet to be seen. So far, he's only succeeded in implementing plans to rape the rich nations of their wealth and feigned, uh, and feigned to share it with the uh, poor nations of the world, or should say fail to share it. Um, the next word that comes up, portal to hell. See what I mean? This guy's name is amazing. Um, 
Believe it or not, there is nothing, I mean nothing on the Internet that ties George Soros with the funding with funding CERN or directly ties him with any other strategic project. However, since he basically runs many nations in Europe de facto, it is possible that he has some sort of collateral relationship with CERN. With this one, only time, perhaps, and some good hacking will bring forth the truth. <clears throat> we cannot forget, however, the possible tie made between the Dulce Genetics Lab. Um, very few people know for sure what operates in such places as Dulce or Area 51. Uh, we also realize that the things that we find out are most of the time are leaked on purpose. In other words, we learn what they want us to know. People like George Soros employ think tanks that work through every possible scenario that can result from every possible angle, and they, poss and they probably employ supercomputers to do that work. There are things that uh, they fund and things that they do that will probably never be revealed this side of eternity. Okay, the next word is Ophidian Kudalini. Now we get back to some interesting and blatant things. I immediately wondered how Ophidian was defined and found the following. Ophidian, pertaining to serpents, uh, designating an order of uh, vertebral animals destitute of feet and fins. And another definition of relating to or resembling snakes. Now, there's no, <clears throat> there's no doubt that the definition of Ophidian yields, but what about the definition of Kundalini? Here are some definitions. Kundalini <clears throat> is the Dharma, in the Dharma religions, is the primal energy or Shakti located at the base of the spine. Different spiritual traditions teach methods of awakening Kundalini for the purposes of reaching spiritual enlightenment. Kundalini is described as lying coil at the base of the spine, um, represented as either a goddess or a sleeping serpent waiting to be awakened. In modern commentaries, Kundalini has also been called an unconscious, instinctive, or libidinal force or mother energy or intelligent and complete or intelligence of complete maturation. Kundalini is a spirit that often imitates the Ruach HaKodesh or Holy Spirit and is attested to being the Ruach HaKodesh, and is attested to being the Ruach HaKodesh experienced by people who know nothing about how the or originally Ruach uh, operates. Here's a good definition of the Kundalini spirit. <clears throat> Kundalini is the term you may or may not be familiar with is the demonic spirit, which is known as a counterfeit Holy Spirit from the Hindus and incorporated into the New Age philosophy and practice. Under the influence of this demonic spirit, people will testify to having deep spiritual sensations such as knowing other people's thoughts, full body or out of body feelings of bliss and ecstasy, uncontrolled physical sensations such as crying laughing, jerking, vivid dreams, visions, and trances. And that's uh, comes from a uh, website by Rooftop, rooftopsanddrafters.wordpress.com. In essence, the first uh, definition tells us uh, the New Age terminology, and the second definition explains to us uh, the name Ophidian Kudini means a snake-like reptilian that is a spirit that is uh, coiled at the base of the spine, it appears to be able to take over the nerve impulses of a man or woman, and is without a doubt a demonic possession. And I have a link there. 
Um, I won't read it to you. You can look it up. Um, just look, look up Kundalini Spirit, Counterfeit, Holy Spirit. Um, but it shows definitions or basically um, videos of people that are infected or infested with this Kundalini Spirit, um, thinking that it's the Holy Spirit, but they are deceived. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So now we go back to the Dulce Genetics Labs in association with reptilian fallen angels, portals to hell, his name is Satan, and now a serpentine spirit that possesses people. Is George Soros a reptilian, fallen angel, human hybrid? Is he a human that has had his DNA mixed with reptilian DNA, or is he possessed by the Kundalini spirit? Again, one could only tell by meeting Mr. Soros and discerning his character by determining the fruit that he is producing, we can gather that he is not on the side of good. Even though we're not supposed to base our assertions on via numerology, these things are really starting to add up, no pun intended. Um, and I didn't make a um, um, a um, adrenochrome connection with this either because it didn't come up, but... I'll bet anything that he's involved in drinking or injecting adrenochrome into himself. Um, yeah, I'd bet a lot on it. Okay, the next term that comes up is I think I can make it rain. It's common knowledge that if you can control the weather, you control food production, and in turn, you control the world. There are many that believe that mankind is now able to control weather patterns all over the globe. I have an acquaintance that has a friend that actually had an audience with President Obama who, when asked about chemtrails, was told that they are real and are being used to protect us from harmful rays of the sun. Um, one thing that we know about Obama is he never tells the truth, so instead of being mankind's benefit, chemtrails are probably being used for depopulation purposes. One theory states that the chemicals that are sprayed in our skies every day contain a variety of different heavy metals and still others contain bacteria or viruses. Personally, I was on an airline that flew through chemtrails back in 2008. Me, a person that never had any lung problems, suddenly came down with a case of bronchitis that lasted for at least three months. And you know what? Every time some sort of respiratory bug comes around, I catch it and it turns into asthmatic bronchitis. My last major bout with bronchitis occurred in January 2016, and I still have problems, and it's never been resolved. <clears throat> i got to say that it might have been now. Um, while Soros may have his hands on the weather control button, and he might be using for population control, rain comes in many different forms. Yes, it can rain down water droplets, or it can rain down poison, heavy metals, or biologic weapons. Personally, I don't believe the results of chemtrails is to weaken the immune system, or I do believe that, weaken the immune system of millions of people so that when a strong and virulent flu was introduced in a pandemic, that's weird, wow, uh, many of us will not survive. Only by Yahweh's grace and healing power will people like me be overcomers of what they plan for many people. If the I think it I can make it rain phrase is talking about actual rain, it could be that Soros and other elites uh, are being used to reduce populations. Again, no rain, no crops, no food. Um, no food causes animals to die in addition to people multiplying the carnage even more. The big question is, does Soros have anything to do with harp? Below, and you can't see it, of course, because this is radio, is an image of the Bilderberger group. You'll find Soros' name there, 
and lines that connect him to certain concerns. One should not even think that the lines that he is connected to are the only ways that he works in the Bilderberger group. It's gigantic. Okay. Another name that comes up for him is God's prophet. This, pray, this phrase could cause some trouble because in Gematria there is no use of punctuation. Therefore, the gods in the phrase could be singular or plural. Secondary, um, <clears throat> the use of the word God in our multicultural, multi-ethnic, ecumenical world is not a good idea anymore. I once worked in a highly multicultural workplace. I sneezed and heard God bless you from at least eight people. The problem was that some were Buddhist, two were Hindu, one a Muslim, a Taoist, a Shinist, and um, one was a Mormon. In one sneeze, I was blessed by universal harmony, Shiva, Vishnu, Allah, the ancient ancestors of two people. Um, to each one, their God is God, and they were blessing me in, in their God's name and used it used to its lowest pol uh, political correct denominator. When the Gematria says that George Soros has the same equivalent as God's prophet, we can pretty well assume that God, the God here is not Yahweh. Let's just say that uh, it is the God of the New Age at best and Satan at worst. Let's not forget, uh, to, which basically are the same thing when you think about it. Um, let us not forget that uh, too many false prophets such as Joseph Smith, Muhammad, and others all received false divine revelations from fallen angels who came in the guise of Yahweh's holy angels. Also, let's not forget that George Soros has the financial means to speak a prophecy and to make it a self-fulfilled prophecy. And since he serves a God other than Yahweh, he probably has the help from Satan, if not many other, if in many, if not all matters. Um, the next word that equates with his name is the first seal. Now, this is very interesting. As a believer in Yeshua, I test that I do believe in the book of Revelation. Um, it is it, that it's real and that it was Yeshua's revelation to uh, John about the things that would play out at the end of days. Let's look at the first seal in Revelation. And Revelation 6, 1 through 2 says, And I saw in the land... Lamb opened up the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow and a crown, and was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. <clears throat> Notice when the first seal is opened to, the, to reveal the rider on the white horse, the rider is given a bow, and he went conquering to conquer. Notice, however, that although he has a bow, he isn't given any arrows. The bow is a sign of power, but but without arrows, his power has to be something else. Could that power be wealth and buying off power with that wealth? Could the conquering be overcoming mankind by using crop and weather manipulation? Could the conquering occur by donating to political causes and installing political people that are opposed to Yahweh and his people? These are exactly the things that George Soros is doing in our world today. He's toppling governments and placing his people in power. He controls much of the food and possibly even the weather. The next phrase that comes up, Obama, no Christian. <laughs> it makes me, makes me want to say no kidding. Um, if anyone is an Obama supporter, it is George Soros. Obama and Soros both share the same mission of destroying the United States and turning it into a second or even third world nation. 
for information about how Soros worked to bring Obama into the limelight and how he supported his rise to president, click here. And I got to see what that says. I can't see the link. I'm sorry. You'd have to go to the article and read it. Okay. For the first four years of his presidency, Obama touted that he was a Christian, citing his membership in Jeremiah Wright's church, which turned out to be a group of people that lit, led a hate whitey campaign. Uh, Wright, it turns out, is a black liberation theology person. Uh, when Wright became too vocal, Obama distanced himself from Wright. Of course, anyone that had read Obama's books knew that he was a communist, but also that he professed that if the political tide turned against Islam, he would side with Islam. That is exactly what he has done during his whole presidency. People like Soros investigate and know every detail of the people that they want to use for their cause. Soros had to know that Obama was not a genuine Christian. In fact, had Obama been a genuine believer in Yeshua, Soros would have never had interest in him. Okay, the next phrase that comes up. I'm sorry, this is so long, folks, but this is there's a lot here, and it's very interesting. Um, the next phrase is the blood and the grail. As was mentioned earlier, Soros does not like Christians, and he barely tolerates Jews. Also mentioned earlier, Soros is supported for depopulating the earth for the purposes of saving the planet. The pages of Revelation talk about a woman holding a cup or a chalice or a grail uh, filled with the blood of the saints. Soros is trying his hardest and spending a lot of money to create the bee system that will support the woman that holds the grail filled with the blood of the saints. The next word or phrase is host of sales, S-A-I-L-S. At first, this phrase does not seem to make a lot of sense. Prayerful research yielded a lot of insight. First, it's important to find out a definition for the word host. Going to the Webster's 1828 dictionary, we find that host means... Um, it's from the Latin hostess. It means a stranger, an enemy, probably of the same family. Is it, um, it is interesting that the definition says the enemy is probably of the same family. I haven't mentioned it until now because mentioning George Soros' name is not an original name and would have caused people to build a case against Jews because George Soros was born Jorgny Schwartz and was born to Hungarian Jewish parents. It comes as no surprise that Soros doesn't identify with his Jewish heritage. Reading some biographical information about the Sor um, about Soros confirms that assertion. So being an enemy of his own family comes as no surprise to anyone when he's called a host. When we talk about sales, we know that there are several different definitions for the word. One, when one sails, they are conveyed from one place to another on a ship or another device that uses the wind as a propellant. But what exactly is a sail? Webster's 1828 defines sail as to be impelled or driven forward by the actions of the wind upon sails as a ship on the water. Notice that the definition uses the term driven forth. Another way to say it would be that it sail, that sails helped it to move, progress forward. Taking the two definitions and putting them together, we come up with something interesting. We could say that George Soros is an enemy of the Jewish people who is intent on keeping the Jews from progressing forward. This is quite evident because Soros likes to donate to Arab and Palestinian, same thing, causes which always tend to hinder the forward progress of the Jewish state and the Jewish people at large. 
The only Jews that seem to prosper are the minority or self-hating Jews that support liberal causes, the causes of the enemies of the Jews. Okay, the next phrase is the algorithm of life. I love words. I often look for the definition of words so that I can use them correctly. Just today, I had a falling out of sorts with a man whose wife was being faithful and what she was and that she was defending her husband's integrity, although some people thought um, his message was wrong. When she was called out for her abruptness, she responded by saying that she was not judging people but admonishing them. Well, admonishing is the wrong word because it means to reprimand, rebuke, scold, reprove, reproach, unbraid, chastise, chide, berate, or criticize someone. In effect, the woman was not saying that she judged people, but that she punished them. <laughs> um, she was skipping a step on going right into condemnation. She was skipping a step and going right into condemnation. Of course, her husband defended her actions. I can't really blame him. I live half a continent away, but he has to live with her. Um, words mean a lot, and they, when they are said, they are impossible to take back. Um, some words are hard to understand for some people. Heck, even I am stumped from time to time and have to look for a dictionary. It's also fascinating to see how words evolved over the years. Let's take a look at the, uh, look at the word algorithm and see where it comes from and what it means. Now, algorithm, it says, is a procedure for solving mathematical problems that's finding the greatest common divisor and a finite number of steps that frequently involve repetition of an operation broadly, a step-by-step -step procedure for solving a problem or accomplishing some end, especially by a computer. When speaking about algorithms of life, we can look at a scripture to see what Yahweh says on the matter according to Yeshua, there are two algorithms to life that a man can take. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even to them, for this is the, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye into the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there, many there be that go in that thereat. Uh, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few... There be that find it, Matthew seven twelve through 14. In another scripture, he hath shown thee, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God, Micah 6, 8. The worldly algorithm is a, a wide road, a wide gate, and there are a lot of people that take the route. That path carries people that want riches and power, those who think of themselves or of their causes, which they sometimes see as righteous acts. The kingdom of Yahweh's algorithm is illustrated in the scripture above that we live by the golden rule, uh, that we practice justice and love to show mercy and walk humbly with Yahweh. That all becomes a reality when we come to faith in Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ. Um, scripture says that those who walk the wide road, enter the wide gate, tend to profess themselves to be wise, but Yahweh sees them as fools. The world, on the other hand, sees the plan of Yahweh uh, that Yahweh has for his people as foolishness. I choose to care about what Yahweh thinks, not what man thinks. Uh, George Soros and others like him choose a worldly algorithm while looking at their actions with worldly eyes, and it does not and it does look successful to them. But in reality, they obtain things that will burn up one day in a fervent heat. 
that will destroy everything that is not done humbly so as to give Yahweh the glory. Both algorithms work, but one is Earth-specific and the other one is eternity-specific. The funny thing is that Yahweh's algorithm, although it seems like foolishness to those who are perishing, in reality, speaks to their spirit, which causes them to want to want what they think is foolishness. The smart one comes around sooner or later. The next word that is equal to his uh, numerological number is aristocrat. To understand what an aristocrat is, one must first understand what an aristocracy is. Aristocracy is defined as a form of government in which the whole supreme power is invested in the principal persons of the state or in a few men distinguished by their rank or opulence. When the supreme power is exercised by a small number, the government is called an ogliarchy. The latter word, however, is usually applied to a corrupted form of aristocracy. So an aristocracy is a government that is run by a few men distinguished by their rank and opulence. Opulence means wealth. An aristocrat is one of those men of rank and opulence. In the world today, in today's world, aristocrats are different than they used to, than they aristocrats are different in that they usually do not have rank in a sense of military rank, but they have high rank in areas of society they control. For instance, Buffett and Soros are kingpins when it comes to finance, so they are monetary aristocrats. Power is another attribute where Soros and Buffett have aristocratic prowess. Aristocrats are skilled at buying and owning people. Case in point is that uh, he has heavily funded Hillary Clinton. Scripture says that the borrower becomes servant to the lender, turning Hillary and everyone else that Soros has helped into his puppet or slave. Okay, the next word that comes up uh, for for him is Sirius, as in the star, S-I-R-I-U-S, black, B-L-A-C-K. From what I've been able to ascertain through research, I despise Harry Potter. <laughs> Sirius Black is a character in the Harry Potter series that was seen by his family as being a traitor and disowned. He was the black sheep of the family. Sirius Black was never accepted by his family, never reconciled. Um, He always thought himself uh, to be a misunderstood and uh, framed for his wrongs that he never did. There are parallels to Soros in Black. Soros is seen as a traitor by Jews and also by Americans who see him as power as a power that's trying to destroy the American Republic to replace it with a NWO or New World Order dictatorship. You can put deep state in there, too, if you want. <clears throat> now, another word that comes up or phrases the Christian God. As was evidenced in the quotes from George Soros, he does see himself as, a, at very least, a messianic figure and at the greatest, a God in his own right. One might ponder why the Christian God, why not the Christian and Jewish God? The answer is simple. We know that Yeshua, to be Lord and King and God, especially God that came in human form, upon uh, up to that time, the time of this writing, excuse me, the majority of Jews do not see Yeshua in that light. To be a messianic figure in a Jewish sense, again, at this present time, Yeshua can only be a man that Yahweh has endowed with great military power and a kingdom authority. Of course, we know that a time will come when Jews as a whole will recognize Yeshua as Savior and King and God, and God with us. <clears throat> Another name that comes up for Soros is the Rock of Offense. 
This is a term taken out of Hebrew scripture. Let's look at the scripture and then I will show you how it could apply to George Soros. The scripture is Isaiah 8, 13 through 15. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear and let him be your dread. And he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling, for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, uh, for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. Uh, we can compare this to the, this scripture um, to being quoted in Romans uh, chapter 9 and 1 Peter chapter 2. It's clearly a messianic prophecy that is talking about Yeshua HaMashiach or Jesus Christ. Uh, the context of the chapter bears out to be true. We have to remember that the powers of darkness like to mimic the workings of Yahweh in some something called the same but opposite. In other words, they will make uh, some figure in history look like it, as if he's fulfilling last day's prophecy and he will be a counterfeit and will be working for and with Satan to deceive mankind. Yeshua gives us another clue that we should consider. John 5:43. I am come in my father's name and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, he will receive. Whilst Yeshua came uh, to give men forgiveness with Yahweh, peace and eternal life, someone like Soros, who has a God complex, comes to offer worldly things. Isaiah stumbled over Yeshua, and by many not believing in him, they fell into a trap and were snared by the oral Torah. On the other hand, a benefactor like Soros is causing strife between Jew and Arab because he supports Arabs and Palestinians and defames Israel, thus causing stumbling. Yet one day he will become a benefactor of Israel, and many will believe in that he is their that he is their Messiah. I'm not saying that Soros is the actual anti-Messiah, but he is a type of anti-Messiah, probably a false anti-Messiah that the real anti-Messiah will overcome to look as a hero of Israel. <clears throat> one thing is for certain: Soros does not cause Israel to does cause Israel to stumble and that he supports anyone with anti-Jewish sentiments, but he also hates the remnant of Ephraim vehemently. Okay, the next word is implied contract. It would seem that if one could define George Soros in two words, it would be implied contract. First, we must understand what implied contract is. An implied contract is an agreement created by actions of parties involved. It is not written or spoken. This is a contract assumed to have been drawn. Uh, in this case, there is no written record, nor is any actual verbal agreement. A form of applied contract is an implied warranty provided automatically by law. So how is George Soros an epitome of implied contracts? Well, uh, we will look at the case of Hillary Clinton's association with Soros. Soros does not like the American capitalistic system. He knows that Hillary Clinton is a socialist and wants to continue Obama's fundamental transformation of America. Since George Soros wants to destroy America, he's giving money to Hillary Clinton. It is an implied contract that they both have the same goal, and he wants to fund her to help her to accomplish their shared goal. Soros funded Barack Obama also for the same purposes. Another evidence is that George Soros supports depopulation of the earth. Soros contributes heavily to fund Planned Parenthood. Soros knows that Planned Parenthood is dedicated to killing off unborn children, so it accomplishes its purpose. 
Um, I find it sort of ironic that these gifts are, are known as charitable contribution. The word charity is a synonym of love. Synonym of love. Uh, so in essence, by defining Soros' love to destroy America and kill babies, it has come out that Soros uh, funded the Boycott Israel products movement, which makes him an anti-Israel. And he's also funded Black Lives Matter movement in America. The man is truly an abomination. All of the funding that Soros does is done to uh, is done as implied contracts. Think about that. And I will add into that Antifa. Okay, the next word that comes up uh, is denouncement. This final word, oh, this word fits well into George Soros. We have to realize that the forces of this world that work for evil aren't inventive. They're reinventive, meaning that they use the same device, but with different packaging. A good example is how they present fallen angels of all these extraterrestrials. We see and hear about modern, that we see and hear about in modern times. Uh, Same thing, different gift wrapping. Looking at Webster's 1828 dictionary, we find the following and and only definition. Denouncement. Noun, the declaration of menace or of evil. Denunciation. Webster's Modern Online Dictionary also says uh, that an archaic definition of denounce is to portend. I know that this word means a sign, but I wanted to see a full definition. Again, I went to Webster's 1828 Dictionary and found the meaning of portend. It's a verb, transitive, uh, Latin portendo, uh, English for intendo to stretch, to foreshow. Uh, or foretoken to indicate something future by previous signs. George Soros is by no means stupid. He's probably one of the smartest men on earth. And if there's something that he might need help with, he can hire the smartest advisors on earth. The problem with Soros is that he works for the wrong side, for Lucifer, the cunning deceiver of mankind, and one-third of Yahweh's original angels. We know that Lucifer or Satan is insane because he uses the same tactics each and every time thinking that somehow the next time these tactics will be successful. We are in scripture that we see in scripture that Yahweh had to destroy the earth with flood because mankind had become so evil that the imaginations of men's hearts were evil continually. Uh, We're also told in historic books like Enoch and Jasher that fallen angels had shown mankind how to manipulate DNA to corrupt people and animals. We're shown um, by Yeshua that before the flood, homosexuality was rampant in society. Look at it this way. If Yahweh says in scripture that people are not to do something, then that something is probably very popular before the flood. We're also told that when Yeshua returns, we, it will be the same as the days of Noah. They give that scripture, Luke 17, 26 through 30. When Soros, where Soros is concerned, his denouncement um, is that the freedom that is found in a republic is in fact evil. He knows that free thinkers are dangerous to socialism because they show how freedom produces happiness and productivity. His denouncements come by his support for anything that hinders, stalls, or denies freedom. For instance, he wants to depopulate the world to to exist so that so he denounces the rights of children in the, in the mother's womb and donates the plan, to Planned Parenthood. He wants to destroy America, so he funds groups like Black Lives, Black Lives Matter, La Raza, 
in order to uh, cause chaos in the streets of our cities. And then today add that I add Antifa. Uh, Soros wants to bring about a world that is totally devoid of Yahweh and when it accepts Satan. So he supports every group that wants to bring about freedom for deviates and malcontents. Uh, we saw earlier that he's probably very connected with the Dulcine DNA lab where they are discovering, or should I say, are being given technology by fallen angels in order to corrupt the genetic line of humans and animals, as well as crops. Soros is involved to push to legalize marijuana and is a major shareholder of Monsanto stock. I find it funny that many people that are against GMO products are themselves users of marijuana. Marijuana has been um, GMO crop for decades. To sum this one up, George Soros is indeed a master denouncement. He calls evil good and good evil, which is the type of person Yahweh tells us to stay away from. Soros is also associated with denouncement in that he uses what happened in the past to predict the future. He goes one step further, however, he makes things happen so that the past can happen again. This man is dangerous. Another word is the the fascist freak. This one doesn't take much research to verify. Just a tiny bit of research revealed the following. And yes, I know it's from Wikipedia, but if you wish, you could go there and look at the citations at the bottom of the page to read the resources. <clears throat> it says, uh, Soros is talking about his past when he was a kid. Uh, Soros did uh, not return to that job and went into hiding the next day. Later that year, at age 14, Soros lived and posed as the godson of an employee of a fascist Hungarian government ministry of agriculture official. That official was at one point ordered to inventory the remaining contents of the estate of wealthy Jewish families. Rather than leave Soros alone in the city, the official brought him along and Soros participated in this action. When this part of Soros's background was broadcast on the conversation Fox News Channel Glenn Beck show, the ADL or Anti-Defamation League called the revelation inappropriate and an American Jewish group called it anti-Semitic. Soros said that he grew up in a Jewish anti-Semitic home and that his parents were uncomfortable with their religious roots. They changed their name from Schwartz, which means black in German, to Soros, which means a successor in Hungarian or will soar in Esperanto. In 1936, to disassociate themselves from the Jewish community. That's from Wikipedia again. Scripture talks about bringing up children in the way they should go and that they should, as they get old, they will not depart from that way. Soros started out as a fascist and never changed. He adapted to capitalistic West, was schooled in finance, and uses his education to pr and prowess to promote world fascism. Another word, Alcyon, A-L-C-Y-O-N. In this modern-day spelling of the mythical character in Greek mythology, incidentally, it is also one of the stars in the star cluster known as the Pleiades. Um, Alcyon designated Etatari, or uh, tau abbreviated Eta Tau um, is a multiple star system in the constellation of Taurus, approximately 440 light years from the sun, is the brightest star in the Pleiades open cluster, which is a young cluster aged at around 100 million years, if you believe that, at Warsaki. Uh, there are a number of fainter stars very close to Alcyon, 
almost probably members of the same cluster. The interesting thing about the Pleiades is that this is where the fallen angels call themselves the Nordics claim that they originate from. Uh, there are some channelers that receive messages from these supposed aliens who claim that they are good aliens and that they have come to Earth to protect us from the more sinister aliens, fall, a.k.a. fallen angels, that go by the title of reptilians, insectoids, and greys. These messages could be softened up, uh, could be to soften up the population so that when they do arrive to protect us, and that's a speculation, they could usher in the golden age of humanity. There are Christian UFO researchers that believe that anti-Messiah could be one of these creatures or a hybrid of Nordic and human. That remains to be seen. Uh, German Nazis believed that the Nordics believed in the Nordics and claimed to be descended from them. Since Soros was involved with the fascist alien, uh, fascists aligned with Nazi Germany, he too might hold to this notion. Okay, now there's another word called um, Assairs of Asgard. This match goes along with one of uh, one just above it. It falls right in with the pagan religion of the Nazis. The old uh, Norse reckoned that there were three races of gods, the Asir, the Vanir, and the Jatnar. The Asir are those beings most often referred to in the ancient literature simply as the gods. In fact, the word ass means god. They are gods of a human society representing things such as leadership, craft, justice, etc. Vanir are more closely connected to the earth and represent the... Vasantity <laughs> of the land and sea and the natural forces which help mankind. Once there was a great war between the Asir and the Veneer, but this was eventually settled when it was determined that neither side could win. And Frey and Freyda and Njord uh, came to live with the Asir to seal the peace. The Jatnar are the third race of gods in a constant war with the Asir. But there is not and never will be a peace in this battle. The Jatnar are never called gods, but referred to as giants. They represent the natural forces of chaos and destruction, as the Asir represent the forces of order in society. Just as fire and ice mix to form the world, this creative interaction of chaos and order maintains the balance of the world. In the end, the two sides will meet in a great battle of Ragnarok and the world will be destroyed only to be reborn. That's what that's all about. Okay, if you've done any research into the players of the whole UFO deception, you know that the entities that call themselves the Nordics have the attributes of the Nordic descent. Um, They're tall, they have blonde hair and blue eyes according to the accounts of those who have encountered them. Um, of all of the supposed alien races, they look the most human. When you read about the Asirs of Asard and you compare it to the, what Soros has said about himself in regard to being godlike, you have to wonder if he considers himself one of the Asirs. His words and his actions certainly bear this out. The next phrase, and we're getting there, folks, okay? As tired as you are. Uh, Muhammad is right hand. This phrase connects Soros with Islam. It must be noted that during the reign of the Nazis in the last century, they were very much in league with the Islamic radicals, both having a rabid hatred of Jews. 
The Nazis were national socialists and George Soros is an international socialist. Soros has shown his preference for Islam. He is a big donor to Muslim charities and supports Islam's war against the West. In biblical scripture, it is Yeshua that is at the right hand of Yahweh. In Islam, it is Muhammad that sits on Allah's throne with him. Again, we see that Soros favors Islam. He certainly uses the Muslims for his own means. The connection of Soros with this phrase shows that why Soros takes up the cause of Islam. In his attempt to set up the New World Order, Soros has to realize that there has to be one religion and it will have to reunite the world or subdue it. I have a feeling that the reason why many of the world's leaders are allowing Islam to run amok in their nations is because Soros wants Islam to become predominant religion with some of every religion mixed in just enough to get the non-Muslim people to accept Islam as their religion. The next phrase is sold out. There's no question that George Soros has been a sellout all of his life. As an American, he's a sellout because he wants to destroy American way of life. As a Jew, he's a sellout because he hates his own people. Here's a transcript from an interview with George Soros where he's questioned about his actions during World War II. In December 20th of 1998, on 60 Minutes, Steve Kropp interviewed George Soros, where Soros, and Hungar- where Soros, a Hungarian Jew, admitted to collaborating with the Nazis as a teenager and stated, I had no sense of guilt. So Kropp says, my understanding is that you went out of your out with this protector of yours who swore that you were his adoptive son. Soros says, yes, yes. Croft says, went out, in fact, and helped in the confiscation of property from your fellow Jews, friends and neighbors. Soros says, yes, that's right, yes. Croft says, I mean, that sounds like an experience that would send lots of people to the psychiatric couch for many, many years. Was it difficult? Soros says, no, not at all. Not at all. I rather enjoyed it. Croft says, no feelings of guilt? Soros says, no. Only feelings of absolute power. Nothing more needs to be said about Soros being a sellout, first to his own people, second to the country that adopted him, and third to humanity itself. The next word under his name is dictatorship. George Soros could be considered a dictator of many nations of this world. He has ruled through Obama and will rule through Clinton if she's elected. You could tell this was written before the election. In like manner, he takes many of his wishes to and through the European Union. The next word under for him is democratic fascism. Wow, this is perfect match for George Soros. Let's look at the meanings of the words. Democracy, a form of government in which the people choose leaders by voting. And what is the meaning of fascism? Fascism, a way of organizing society which a government ruled by a dictator uh, controls the lives of people in which and in which the people are not allowed to disagree with the government. Very harsh control and authority. These two words seem like polar opposites, right? Well, on the surface, they are. The context of how the words are uh, are important. Um, first, democracy is where the people vote for their leaders. However, did you ever notice that we are given that we are given the people that we are told to vote for, then we are presented with the choices, usually only two, that the news media takes over and they um, advocate for the person that the elites want in political office. This is one of the reasons why during our current election season, both parties are against Donald Trump. 
Many Americans have finally woken up and have seen that the promises of those who are supposed to advocate for people actually advocate, uh, advocate for their puppeteers. For at least the last eight years and probably the last four years of President Bush, we lived under a fascist democracy, or should I say a fiat dictatorship. There is an old Scottish song that has a chorus that I'd like to quote when it comes to modern politics, and I'll share it with you, the first sentence of the chorus. Oh, ye take the high road, and I'll take the low road, and I'll be in Scotland afore ye. There is a long story about how the story came into being, but I'll not go into it to save time. The thing is that there are two different ways to get to Scotland. The song's challenging one to take the high road and the other take the low road. The low road is the easy way because it's flat and not very challenging. The high road is difficult because you have to climb a possibly treacherous route and then you have to descend down a decline and you could, that could be equally as treacherous. Now picture the two entities being political parties. One party takes the low road and the other party takes the high road, but both roads lead to the place that the elites want the United States to reach. This is why in our current situation, you can have both Republican leaders and Democrat leaders both condemning Donald Trump because their their ways lead to the wishes of the people like George Soros, which is a fascist democracy, but Trump's way doesn't go that way. It leads to a free republic. Soros has often said that he doesn't like American form of government and as as it was originally intended to exist he along with other elitists whether you want to call them illuminati bilderbergers or anything else you want uh, anything else want a new world order and america now russia stand in the way of their their wishes the next word is none be lost fate this makes a lot of sense when you know exactly what fate is and look at the definition of fate as defined by the Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Fate, which is a noun, uh, primarily a decree or word pronounced by God or a fixed sentence by which the order of things is prescribed, hence inevitable necessity, destiny depending on superior cause and uncontrollable. According to the Stoics, every event is determined by fate. Number two, uh, event predetermined, Lot, destiny, it is our fate to meet with disappointments. Number three, final event, death, destruction. Now, remember that we're talking about George Soros in his article. So since this phrase equals a numerical amount of Hebrew of George Soros, it has to apply to his thinking or character. We see above that fate is something that Yahweh is controlling. For example, I've had experience where I was detained somewhere and it really bothered me that I got a late start at what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go. Later on, I would pass a car wreck and deduce that I would have been, it would have happened about the time that I would have been in that spot had I not been detained. We all have heard stories about people who decided not to go to work or became too ill for work on the day that the World Trade Center was attacked or on the day when the plane crashed and, or something like that. Um, it would seem that for some reason those people were inconvenienced by illness or circumstances so that they missed an event that could have killed them. That is what fate is. Uh, it is the knowledge that uh, for some reason we are spared for a higher purpose. In other words, it's not Yahweh's timing for us to go to be with him yet. Uh, we know that George Soros worked for the other side where the kingdom of Yahweh is concerned Basically, he is an agent of the enemy and tries to accomplish the enemy's purposes. 
since both Soros and Satan know that fate does exist and that everything happens for a purpose, when something does happen to accomplish Yahweh's purpose, it is a loss for Satan. If you are a born-again believer in Yeshua, then in Satan's and Soros' eyes, you are, you are lost to fate because the will of Yahweh was accomplished. It is his purpose that none be lost to fate, but he is foolish in that he cannot comprehend that Yahweh has written everything in the history already. Yahweh knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end, meaning that Yahweh determines fate and he knows the result already so that anything that is lost to fate was predetermined to be lost already. And if you're wondering if I'm a Calvinist, the answer is yes. I do believe that that, uh, we should preach to every creature and let Yahweh determine the outcome. The next word associated is religious gang similar. When we look at gematria, you have to realize that we are looking at letter values that lead up to word values. So when we read religion gang similar, it should be the same value as gang similar religion. We know that uh, we know it's similar in religion are defined as well, what about the word gang? Merriam-Webster's online dictionary defines gang as a group of persons working together, a group of persons working to unlawful or antisocial ends, especially a band of antisocial adolescents. <clears throat> now that we know the definition, it determines the context of the equivalent of George Soros. The meaning renders a lawless gang of persons with antisocial personality disorders or psychopaths in the same way to re- in the same in a way similar to religion, excuse me. Uh, this lawless group is known in scripture as the mystery of iniquity, and will keep growing in our day until it produces a man who scripture calls the son of perdition. The elites who work within the mystery of iniquity know that their masters are not human, but fallen angels of various orders that are aided by demons and which are actually spirits of the Nephilim. The elites of which Soros is part of, is part, Excuse me, are men who gain power from fallen spiritual beings and Soros, whether he realizes it or not, does, does honor and worship them by doing their bidding. Every step, every action that he takes to bring about the new world order is an offering to the beings in spiritual darkness. Frankly, I do not believe that Soros knows exactly who he worships and he worships them outright. But even if his actions were done in self-glorification, that would never be an excuse on the day of judgment. Now, another word, simplex. This word is a combination word. It describes a word that can evolve into another word. To put it in simple terms, simplex is defined as something simple that can change when other dimensions are added. The image below can be the best explanation of what's meant here. It's a three-dimensional triangle with a ball on each angle. Um, If you draw a line through a piece of paper, you have just made a one-dimensional drawing on a piece of paper. If you draw a right angle and attach it to this original line, you've made two dimensional drawing. The first drawing is a simplex. The second drawing is a two simplex. When you add another dimension, you have a three simplex like the image above. The image above is in three dimensions and it has four equal sides and is known as the tetrahedron. The term means that it has four faces. In scripture, we are told in so many ways that we have taken on too much. Yeshua told us that we carry around heavy burdens and he exhorts us to choose a simple life. 
Loving Yahweh is supposed to be simple, yet men add religious rules and make knowing Yahweh difficult. Everything that Yahweh meant to be easy and light, mankind has taken to be more difficult. George Soros, in like manner, is taking away the simplicity of living on earth and is making everything more complicated. He wants to eliminate capitalism and replace it with socialism, a system where you have to work harder to get less. He supports politicians that place added burdens on Americans and Europeans. He supports efforts to take away peace and replace it with chaos. He wants to make life so complicated and perplexing that we will look for someone to take away our burdens. When that happens, either he or a man who supports, who he supports, will step up to the plate and offer the solution. The answers will look amazing, but what Soros will do is take dimensions or burdens away to make the sim- make the simple and less complex. As an aside, this is how New Agers uh, heal- healers can heal. They work for entities that create sickness in people. When they heal, it isn't the actual healing, but it's the removal of the spiritual entities that were causing the sickness to begin with. Doing this makes it simpler for the body's defense mechanisms to heal. It's that simple. Next phrase is Pope Latin American. This is interesting seeing that the current Pope, Pope Francis, is from Latin America. Argentina to be specific. This is a strange relationship between Soros and the current Pope. Soros hates the Catholic Church and he's always supported liberal issues that the Church opposes. The strange thing about this current Pope is that he seems to be very liberal in his belief about Church doctrine and he actually has come out to support Islam, homosexuals, and other things that are too numerous to mention here. If one didn't know any better, one would suspect that Soros and Pope Francis are working covertly, one with the other, to bring about the demise of the Western world. Hey, I see a word that says conclusion down here. Okay, one more word, Yad Lamed. These are two Hebrew alphabetic letters, the 10th and the 12th letter respectively. In Paleo-Hebrew, Yad is defined as to make. It is interesting that the word lamed in Paleo-Hebrew means to bind or yoke. Remember above that when we said that Yeshua said that Yahweh's ways are simple and easy and that Yeshua came to take our heavy burdens and to place place on us his yoke, which he said is light. As a summary of uh, the name of George Soros would have it, the definitions show that he is here to work to make us bound or tied up and to place a yoke other than Yeshua's yoke upon mankind. Conclusion. Just by looking at the words that George Soros has said, and by looking at the actions, uh, we know that he certainly is not working for Yahweh, at least directly. Yahweh uses everything for his glory, so it appears that George Soros is being used to prepare the world for the very last days, much like Obama is being used as an instrument of correction for America and American Christians. I have also shown that by using Gamatria as a tool to associate Soros with words that match his name value, we can cement the assuredness that Soros is evil and not the benefactor that he purports himself to be. Now, what do we do with this information? First, if Yahweh directs you to share it with others, I know that there are others that are wondering about this man, who he is and what he is, what he stands for. Second, Use it to witness about the end times and how we are to return to Yeshua HaMashiach. Third, use the knowledge that you now have to pray for George Soros. 
we do not know if he's redeemable or not. Uh, it is our duty to pray for him. So uh, pray for him like he can be brought back by the blood of Yeshua. Fourth, pray that Yahweh will, Yahweh's will will be done and uh, what Soros is doing and that Yahweh uses everything that Soros does for Yahweh's glory. And last, be thankful that Yahweh is everything under control and find comfort in that and in the fact that we are ever closer to the return of Yeshua HaMashiach and the earthly establishment of his kingdom. And I can't believe it. We have finished this. And I have to look and see where we stand in time. We've gone for two hours and 31 minutes, and it's about 10 minutes to 2 in the morning. So, folks, what I'm going to do is I'm going to close out this radio show. I'm going to thank you for being with me for so long and for just putting up with this. I will post it tomorrow on different avenues, and I will um, repost it on Spreaker to you know kind of clean up the any sound issues or anything like that. But, uh, again, um, take this information and use it for, for God's glory and, and for what it's worth, okay? And, um, you know, if you're, anybody wants to work with me on the Gematria stuff, that would be really neat. I think that we could have fun doing that. There's still a lot of people we can look up and, um, and see uh, what their purposes are. And um, I will do one on Donald Trump here real soon, too, because I want to see what God's purposes are for him. Um, as since he's our leader for has been for the last three and a half years and and will be for the next four too also um so anyway uh the Lord bless you and be with you um and uh just um walk in his light and love him and um love one another because that's the whole crux of the of what he came to teach us to do so be blessed in Yeshua's name in in Jesus's name and until we talk again, probably next Monday, um, be blessed. Good night.